I want my boy back. <laughs> so Archie I has- want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Baby. I, want I my- hate you. Kevin! <laughs> back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. If I were to shoot somebody, I would shoot Dolores Umbridge. Oh, I, w- I did not see that coming. She's just like the worst. It's true. She like in Deathly Hallows, like. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to be able to conjure a Patronus when you're wearing a Horcrux, right? <laughs> Anybody who doesn't know Harry Potter is like, uh, you're the what, the what? Those words, they're not real words. Um, but, like, you're not supposed to be able to conjure a Patronus when you're wearing a Horcrux. But she can because she thinks what she's doing is, like, she's basically so evil that, like... What she thinks what she's doing is right. Yeah, and, like, wearing the Horcrux is, like... Like, what it does to Ron is, like, makes him a terrible person. But what it does to... So Umbridge is just like lift her up more. Like yeah. it's it's hot garbage. Fair enough. Anyway, I hate Dolores Umbridge. She's like sometimes worse than Voldemort. Thanks. I get it. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29 year old journalist from beautiful post apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And I would shoot Mike Pence. Okay, I was <laughs> for a fictional character, and I thought about it, and then I was like, I'm gonna shoot the homophobe. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure Dolores Umbridge is also a homophobe if there was any representation in the books. No, I fully believe that because wasn't one of her laws, like, that boys and girls couldn't touch? And I'm like, you idiot, you didn't even think about the gays. <laughs> All the gay students at Hogwarts are like, yes! <laughs> Dean and Seamus are like, gotcha! <laughs> nice. Today we have words to say about episode 311 of Riverdale, The Red Dahlia. Okay. 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 So, um, the Red Dahlia. Basically, Brittany, would you be able to explain what the Black Dahlia is? Not coherently. Really? Really. You, but you know. I know, oh, but, okay. like, I, I can't tell you the story with any sort of, like, reliability. Well, Unsolved just did an episode about it. Yeah, but I remember I stopped watching it, like, halfway through because I couldn't concentrate. Yeah, but we- Oh, right, and then we decided to watch it again because you stopped watching it because you couldn't concentrate, and then you fell asleep during it. <laughs> And me and Sam just ended up watching the rest of it. Yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, Brittany, I want you to know that I watched that episode three times, <laughs> and you didn't get through it once. So, actually, why don't I explain what the Black Dahlia I is? I told you, in my own defense, you asked, can you explain the Black, Dal- Black Dahlia, and I said no. I know, and then I was, I was confused. With you. <laughs> okay, so basically, um, the Black Dahlia was this woman who was murdered like a while ago <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say that was quite it was a while like ago the 60s or something i don't remember um but basically you're doing great so far but basically she was murdered and this lady found her in like some freaking uh, uh unclaimed lot of yeah. land or whatever with her freaking son who she was taking to the dentist or some crap um they were going to get their shoes fixed why do i know this and you don't because <laughs> you only watched the beginning of the video <laughs> And basically, she was, like, naked, drained of blood, um, like, cut in half, and then, like, just cut in weird places, completely drained of blood, had, like, a Joker smile cut into her. Like, basically, it was, like, this thing where they knew it was, like, somebody who had surgical knowledge because Mm -hmm. it was so meticulous. And they called her the Black Dahlia, basically because she had black hair and she was very pretty. So, a Dahlia is, like, a, a flower. 
So them using the Red Dahlia, first of all, the Red Dahlia is a book by Linda LaPlante, and it's basically about the Black Dahlia, but it's just a little bit different. And that's what confuses me about Betty calling Penelope the Red Dahlia. It sounds cool, but when you really look at it, the Black Dahlia, like they called the dude who killed her, the Black Dahlia killer. Yeah. But that's not what Betty is saying. She's calling her the Black Dahlia, which is weird because that's the woman who was murdered. Yeah, it's like, she's trying to, like, foreshadow, like, hey, Penelope, you're gonna freaking die. Yeah, who's to say? Who's to say, except that it sounds... Maybe it's just because she's pale and has red hair. Maybe. You know? And she sure was pale because she was drained of blood completely. Um, This episode was also directed by Greg Smith, who... um, as you may know, was on Rookie Blue, and I got to meet him in 2012 when I went to the Rookie Blue set. And he's a very nice person, and he's also directed an episode of The Hundred, probably, I think? I'm gonna say yes with no confidence. I feel like he did. One sec. Anyway, I'm very proud of him, because he was a really, he was really great in Rookie Blue, and he's really transitioned from acting to directing, and it's cool, you know, on The Hundred we see uh, Henry Ian Cusick directing, Bob mm-hmm. Morley has been directing recently, but Greg really kind of just transitioned re- and, and I don't think he's doing a lot of acting anymore because he found what he likes to do and I'm happy for him. Yeah, Jonathan Frakes did the same thing from Star Trek. Rookie Blue. Oh, he did a few episodes of Rookie Blue. Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I was wrong, he has not done an episode of The 100, my bad. But oh, he has so done- lied to me. Did I say that? It was for sure? No. And he's also done a few episodes of Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, like I said, so he's really uh, out here doing stuff. Hmm. I'm happy for him. He's a very nice person. With a lot to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany. What? How did you feel about this episode? Would you say it's a toot or a boot? I give it a toot. Yeah. I actually quite enjoyed it. I liked the theming of it. I liked the, I mean, it was a little all over the friggin' place mm-hmm. and kind of sloppy, but I still enjoyed watching it, and I yeah. think that should be part of the toot and boot process. Yeah, there was a lot of things where it was like, this is a lot, I'm getting a lot of information in this moment, I don't really know how to process it all, but ultimately I really enjoyed it because of the theme. I like when they do themes like this, mm-hmm. like um, 207 and 307 were both those kind of episodes where it's like three separate stories, and... Um, you know, the musical episode, obviously, but they, it's really the interesting Midnight when Club. they do. The Midnight yeah. Club episode, yeah. I really like when they do themed episodes. And next episode is supposed to be also a themed episode, but, and we haven't like seen, it. we haven't seen the extended trailer yet, but we were told that Bizarro Dale is supposed to be like an alternate universe type thing. Like I said, we still haven't seen the extended trailer, so maybe there's something that happens there. But um, as of right now, I don't really see any type of alternate universe anything's different maybe it just means that they're not fo- focusing on the core four that week right and like they're like we follow the other four instead i don't know if i would call that bizarro dale no then, neither you know would I, mean? I i would just call that the riverdale that i want to watch <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's interesting about this episode is that we were able to split the storylines fully in four pieces yep. for each of the core four which does not happen very often they're usually um teamed up in some way but yeah this episode was like there's a veronica storyline a betty storyline an archie storyline and a jughead storyline so and that's probably why it felt so jumbled <laughs> there was too much going on um but Brittany did the boy storylines and i did the girl storylines so i'm thinking maybe we go boy girl boy girl or girl boy girl boy sure <laughs> which is the way that they tried to split us up during dance class in gym it's true when i was in high school yeah same who would you like to start with who do you think which which one do you think is the smallest Uh, i feel like betty and jughead have the most to talk about so we should start with archie or rock smallest ones do you want to do rock paper scissors sure right and then and then whoever wins rock paper scissors gets to choose whether they want to go first or not (laughs) okay rock paper scissors oh i thought it was not i thought it was shoot sorry wait okay how do you do it i don't know you rock paper scissors wrong (laughs) okay 
Okay, we're gonna do rock, paper, and then I you- just, I think that, ha- I think I also do rock, paper, scissors, Yeah. but, um, but then halfway through us doing it, I thought, wait, are you, is she going on scissors or shoot? <laughs> so then I just didn't do anything. <laughs> what the frig is shoot? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Never heard of that before. Um, we literally just watched a Dolan Twins video where they did rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah, but I don't pay t- attention to that part. It's flame! <laughs> I just wasn't paying attention to how they did rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Uh, so, my phone! So we're just doing- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, I'm gonna go first. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> when you're so stupid, we can't even get fucking rock, paper, scissors, right? <laughs> it's hard to be so stupid. Ugh, we have to talk about Archie. Hey, here's the good thing, though, is that we're getting Archie out of the way, and then we don't have to worry about it for the rest of the thing. If we go Archie Veronica first, then we, like, literally don't have to look at Archie again. Okay, sweet. <laughs> That's true. Okay, here's what Archie is up to this week. Got drunk, hit a guy, hit on Josie. <laughs> Done! <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's literally, that was it. Oh, tried to kill Hiram? Yeah. There you go. And then protected Hiram? And then shot another guy, but then weirdly, like, had no legal consequences mm-hmm. for literally shooting someone in a hospital with a gun that was illegal. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I hate this. Archie has a heart-to-heart with best dad in the world, Fred. He tells Fred that maybe college isn't for him. So... <laughs> Just to be clear, is Archie dropping out of high school then? Yeah. I I feel like if I had grown up reading Archie comics like I literally did, and this was the first episode of Riverdale I watched, <laughs> I'd be like, what are they doing to my friend Archie? Yeah. Because Archie has always been, like, he's always felt like a dear friend to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's supposed to be that guy. He's supposed to be, like, all-American, like, uh, like basically, he- like... Cute chubby cheeks, like this just friendly dude. Little ginger. Yeah. Who, who, who is like charming and gets pretty much everything he wants. You know, even though his car is garbage, he still gets to like do all the adventures mm-hmm. that he wants and everything ends up working out for him all the time. So if this was the first episode of Riverdale I watched, I'd be like, that's my friend. What did you do to my friend? That was me watching the pilot. Yeah. And then from there, it's just been like, that's not my friend. <laughs> that's not my friend. This is not my friend. So, um, now, if he doesn't drop out of high school and he finishes high school, he mm. says that he's not going to college. Yeah. And I don't know how to break it to Archie that he would never get into college. Hi, I just realized something. Yeah. Archie is like, I'm dropping out of high Well, he didn't, first of all, he didn't say that. But he's getting a job, although we haven't seen anybody else go to school th- this episode either. So, like, maybe it's a weekend? I don't know. None either way. Either way, Archie, we do know, is in the musical. So, I guess he isn't dropping out of high school? Yeah, I guess he's in high school, but he's not going to college. <sighs> Okay. The man... The myth, the legend, Archie Andrews. The man who couldn't define iconoclast, even Mm. though his friend uses that word a couple times. Yeah. The man who punched his way through ice instead of using his feet. (laughs) I can't count the amount of stupid things. What other stupid things has Archie done? The man who dated his teacher... Yep. And then couldn't see what the problem was. Yeah, 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 yeah. The man who wore... The man who wore his Letterman Letterman jacket jacket. to a funeral! And the man who wore his Letterman jacket to a gang bar. The man who started his own gang where they just didn't wear shirts. (laughs) And he called it the Red Circle. He's like, Southside Serpents, they have cool jackets. Unfortunately, our budget is a little low, so we're just not gonna wear shirts. That's the man who's like, yeah, college isn't for me. (laughs) You know what, Archie, you're right, because college doesn't want you. (laughs) Oh my god. So what he wants to do is he wants to work at the construction site instead, and I think this is really cool because Fred's like, okay, yeah, there's no shame in hard work. Yeah. Like, I think that's really cool where he's like, I think people should know more that, like, even though, you know, 
university is a great avenue and it's where you should go, it it's not for everyone. Yeah, and Fred just wants to give Archie every opportunity to succeed because he's gone through so much. Yeah, and Archie's not going to thrive at college. Mm-mm. Archie's not even thriving doing nothing. And I say this with all sincerity, I feel like at college, by himself, without his dad even, it's probably going to be kind of triggering for Archie, like a lot of things happen mm-hmm. in college, you know? So, he's like, I'm going to work on the construction site, and he gets the job because I think he has an in with the guy who owns the construction site, I don't know. Hashtag nepotism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, apparently this job entails smashing already broken up chunks of concrete. <sighs> sure. Like, it's it's been dug up by a digger. And then put in a pile. And Archie's job is just to make it into smaller piles? Is that a real job? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, like, it's time for his uh, break, but he's like, um, I don't want a break because I like smashing things because I'm an angsty teen and I shop at Hot Topic. So did you recognize Vic when you saw him? I sure didn't. Okay. Did you? So, yeah, of course. So, um, Vic was the guy who, in season two, was selling the Christmas trees. And then, um, at the end of the episode, Cheryl was like... Oh, random man I've never met because he was making out with Penelope. Oh, ew. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Vic anymore. That's Vic. So Vic says that, um, hey, like, we shouldn't square off about this, but, like, you need to take your, like, break and stuff. And he's like, Archie's like, um, we're gonna square off about this. Okay. And then Archie just, like, pushes him? Like, who pushes? Just throw a punch. You can't even fight right. I feel bad, though, because Vic is, like, really trying to do his job. Like, he even says... Yeah! He even says, like, this is a unionized place. Uh Like, if you don't have your break, I'm not doing my job and I can get in trouble. So I need you to go have your freaking break. Go eat a cookie and have a cup of coffee in the little paper cup. I don't care. Yep. If you just... Honestly, Archie, if you just, like, put down the hammer and sat down for five minutes, I'd be happy. Just sit on the rocks. Yeah. Who cares? Like, like you're hatching an egg. Just sit on the rocks and just think about what you did. You just legally have to take a break. Yeah. And Archie's so lucky to be working in a unionized workplace in the first... Unionized workplace in the first place! Yes. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Okay. The next day... Archie's like, hey, I'm going back to work. And Fred's like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. So he's not really into having his idiot son on the job site again after he attacked our good friend Vic. Yeah. And he's also not into Archie underage drinking. Because, okay, I'm sorry, but, like, if you were a smart teenager, you would not keep your booze in, like, the top shelf of a drawer. It, it took Fred, like, probably five seconds to find that. Fred was like, my kid's acting out, so let's go through his stuff. Kind of fair, I think. If your um, kid, if, like, I mean, if, he, if he's acting like a drunk... Especially because he found booze, so there was reason to go through in the first place. Also, Archie's been going through a lot of crap, and I feel like if Archie had a therapist, which he probably doesn't because it's Archie, the therapist would probably tell Fred to keep an eye on him in that kind of way, you know? Like, usually, you know, the way that Alice did it in season one, in which she, like, fully just went and read Betty's diary, like, that's not cool, but we know that Archie's going through a lot, he is having some mental issues and stuff, I... I'm kind of on Fred's side with yeah. going through. And, and and it's not like he's going deep into it either. He's just looking in a few of his drawers. And I mean, like, knowing Archie, he probably just left the bottle sitting out because he's stupid. Also, does Fred know that Archie used to have a gun sometimes? Like, he could no. be looking for his gun, yeah. which he do- clearly doesn't find because then Archie now has again. Oh my god. That was in the drawer underneath. Fred just stopped at the booze. Didn't think to look for a he gun. He was like, ugh, I've already found something reprehensible. I just hate him. Anyway, mm. so Archie bails and Fred yells at him to shape up. And I'm like, if, if Archie is anything, he's in shape. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. So Archie gets drunk while Josie serenades the speakeasy with some Sondheim. Fun fact, sooner or later, won the original best Oscar song for the movie Dick Tracy. And I only know that because it was in a medley 
of a Broadway show that they did of Son Ed songs called Putting It Together that Julie Andrews is on the soundtrack of, so of course I listened to it. Mm. <clears throat> so, oh, and also Dick Tracy, we're on, we're on theme with, you know, the, the, the whole, whole noir. Yes. Yeah. So Reggie's like, hey, stop drinking. And Archie's like, no. It was like pretty clear, like Veronica... So me and you throughout all of these podcasts have been like, okay, you're opening a speakeasy, I guess, whatever. But like, you can't sell alcohol there. You're still a child, you know? And she's like, I don't have a license to sell alcohol. We're like, great. Makes sense because you're a child. And then she's like, Reggie's going across the border to get things. We're like, that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. So now it's like, even though Veronica specifically said, we're only selling mocktails. We're not here to whatever. Now it's very clear the speakeasy sells alcohol anyway. Yeah. I'm getting so many signs and I wish they would just outright and say it that Reggie is over 18 because he goes across the border to Canada where the legal drinking age is 18 to buy um, alcohol. Mm -hmm. He uh, can go on Bumble, which is 18 plus, and he's a bartender. But actually, Tony, they also had as a bartender at the White Worm and she's also a child. So like, what the heck? This like just no one's a child and everyone's a child at the same time. It makes no goddamn sense at all. It's just upsetting because it's like, if the Grundy thing happened now in the story, we'd be like, cool, so nobody, like, who cares about people's ages? Yeah. You know? Like, like it was it was a problem at the beginning of season one, and now it doesn't seem like anybody cares about how- I mean, I teenagers. still think it's a problem, but I don't know if the show would recognize it as a problem because they don't know what age their characters are either. Yeah. They just know they're in grade 11. Yeah. I mean, I was not doing any of this in grade 11. <laughs> no. I definitely didn't have a speakeasy illegally selling booze to underage minors. I was still um, not wearing- minors. Just under- minors or people who are underage. (laughs) Redundancies. Oops. But when I was in grade 11, I still refused to wear anything but hoodies and jeans, so. And now you've graduated to hoodies and leggings. Yeah. Yeah. So this random guy named Toby, who I assume is a serpent, but we don't see a jacket. Right. Would make sense that he's a serpent. Basically, he's a security guard. I looked him up, couldn't find anybody named Toby. I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe there's, like, a famous noir film that has a guy named Toby who roughs people up. Like, I don't know. Who, who's to say? But who knows? Mm-hmm. So he's, like, trying to kick Archie out. And Josie kind of vouches for him. And I'm like, Josie, why did you do that? I don't get it. But I do like, she's like, you know, like, he's he's a friend. And then she takes him home and dumps him in the tub. Mm-hmm. And just, first of all, serves him his own ass. And is like, enough is enough. And then turns the cold water on him. Yeah. I, like, I stand so hard. I'm I'm sad that Josie is now being sidled with the Archie plotline. Yeah. Because she deserves better. Agree. Because they're like, what do we do with her? Like, she, she's she been, like, a main f- since season one, but we, like, never see her. No. Josie is supposed to be a main character on the show. Mm-hmm. She has done nothing. Except, I guess, occasionally, like, date Sweet Pea earlier this season. Okay. Not even occasionally. It was one scene. And here's the thing. If Josie's gonna start dating Archie, like, I'm pretty sure what she said to Sweet Pea was that, like, I can't have a boyfriend right now. It was just for the summer. That's gonna be messed up. And also, Sweet Pea is playing her love interest in the musical. So, like, what's gonna happen? Ew, I'm not- I don't want a love triangle. Ugh. Because I just don't care about any love triangle that Archie's in. To be perfectly honest, I'm just, like, not about a love triangle where it's two people of color and one white man and she's gonna choose the white man. My thing is that if it's gonna be a love triangle, it should be a love quadrangle and it mm. should be sweet pea fangs. Fangs! <laughs> <laughs> They're like, fangs, please stop dating the person who's playing the main character. She keeps getting murdered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Josie makes Archie a hangover cure, like I guess after he like sobers up a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
and they talk, which is more than Archie deserves. Yeah. Um, she acknowledges <laughs> that the writers forgot to have them interact last year. <laughs> yeah, thank you. She's like, I know we didn't talk about last year, and I was like, yeah. No kidding. She says, Archie needs to channel his anger into something constructive, like music or boxing. I love this advice. Yeah. And you know what Archie loves? Hmm. Not paying attention to it. <laughs> I. What's really cool is that she's like, music, that's my thing. Boxing, that's Mr. Keller's thing. And you know how I know this thing? Because he's dating my mom. And I see him all the time. Which you I know, kind of forgot. It's nice that they remember that. That's like, Mr. Keller. And it's like, how would she know about what Mr. Keller freaking does every day? And it's because he lives at her house. Hey, speaking of Mr. Keller, uh-huh. where the hell is Kevin? This show is not the same without Kevin. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, we haven't seen him for like Kevin? two episodes now. I want my boy back. <laughs> so, Archie I has- want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want I my- I hate you. Kevin! Back on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. You know what's sad is I'm old enough to remember when that commercial came out for the first time. See, and I don't know it from the commercial. I know it from them singing it on The Office. No! Okay, bye. That's the only way I know it. Okay, whatever. I'm not talking to you. Okay. Um, Archie has to deal with his demons head on, and Archie's like, hey, yes, I will deal with my demon by murdering it. Tell the people who haven't seen The Hundred exactly what this is. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is li- this is literally Bellamy and Charlotte in season one, where Bellamy says to Charlotte, "Who's it's like, like this little girl?" Three. It's yeah, episode three. She's of the like whole this show. little girl, and he's like, you know, she's like, "How do you cope with like what's going on?" And he was like, "You just have to face your demons." And she's like, "Got it. I'm gonna go murder Wells." Yeah. <laughs> and then she straight up just murders Wells. She's Wells is not supposed to die. Uh-huh. He's supposed to be alive, but she's like, hey, my demon is your father, so I'm going to murder you in his place. And I'm like, did you miss the memo where the Chancellor was shot up top? Yeah. Like, he's already been punished. But anyway, this is the same thing. He's like, right, got it. Face your demons. Instead of doing anything smart about it, I'm going to literally go face a demon and murder it. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so Archie gets to the hospital. Yeah. The hospital seems closed. Hospitals don't close. Yeah. um, As you pointed out. So, as small a town as they're trying to tell us this is... There's only pops to eat at. There are so many freaking contradictory facts about how small or how big this freaking town is. There's, there's like, two prisons. There's a juvie. There's a regular prison. There's two high schools, one restaurant, and a hospital that is closed at night. (laughs) But hospitals aren't supposed to close at night. No. Like, listen, I know that... Fred was shot during the day, and we're like, oh my gosh, there's so many people at this hospital. But if Fred was shot during the night, like Fangs was, they would still have to go to the hospital and have someone be there. What if they, like, show up and they're like, help, I've been shot, and they're like, sorry. We can help you at 6 a.m. tomorrow, though. Literally. Like, that's not- All the patients, like, that are staying overnight are like, do you guys just- aren't gonna be here for the next 12 hours? (laughs) Like, what's going on? What if I go into cardiac arrest? Sorry, Mr. Brennan. (laughs) That's life. Just call a code blue and hope someone helps. Yeah. So you, you must rely on your fellow patient for this. One um, other thing that I noticed about how freaking small this hospital apparently is, is that Hiram's door says intensive care unit. Is it just that one unit? Yeah, I think that's just like the one door. Because <laughs> in regular hospitals, the ICU is like pretty extensive. A unit, one might say. A, a unit, a yeah. Unit, yeah. <laughs> But but this ICU, maybe maybe every door that is part of the ICU is labeled as the ICU, but it's kind of funny. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. Where did Archie get the gun? Was it just still the one that he, like, got from Dilton that one time? Or, like... <laughs> Remember Dilton? Yeah. Remember how he heckin' died? 
One thing and that- And no one's brought it up since. Can I give praise to Lost, please? What else is new? Just if you don't mind. So Lost takes place on a, a an island. You're kidding. Uh, yeah, so- Does a plane crash there? Yeah. Oh. And basically, there's very limited resources because it's like a deserted island. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when they find that there are a few guns, then it's like, those are the only guns there are. So there was actually a guy, if you watch the bonus features, which of course I have watched all of the bonus features because it's my favorite show of all time. There was this guy whose job it was to track where the guns were at all times. So at some point, like you could have gone to him and if you had said like, which gun is this? He'd be able to tell you exactly where they got it. Like they'd be like- And like how many bullets are in it? Yeah, he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, that gun has- was literally the gun they first had on the plane in the pilot, you know? Like, or he could be like, yeah, that gun they got from the others at this point. Like, like he he knew exactly gun where the gun- Gun continuity. Gun continuity, exactly. And Riverdale, so, get any continuity challenge. Yeah, basically I just wanted to bring that up because I'm just like, at, all, at any point I'm like, where, where did this gun come from? <laughs> like, we know where Mineta's gun came from, which is cool because he kept his sheriff-issued one. How did he keep it if it was a sheriff-issued gun and they found the body? Why wouldn't they find- why would no one question that a sheriff's gun is missing? Also, like, I know this is later. Whose body did they do- did they use then? <laughs> yeah, like, like, we know that Dr. Curdle, like, fudged it or whatever. Also, Dr. Curdle admitting that he fudged it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Jughead's like, hey, I know that there was- that that's was my Mineta. line. When- when Jughead calls him Junior. Oh, that- that's it. Cracked me the fuck up when he just calls him Junior. But, like, when he says, like, oh, like, how did that happen? Huh, I've heard that Manetta is alive. And Dr. Curl Jr. is like, oh, oh so- there's been a huge mistake. That's so weird. <laughs> that was funny. Okay, so, um, Archie rolls up to Hiram's room with, a fr- with the friggin' gun. Mm-hmm. And he starts monologuing at Hiram. And he can't hear you. Yeah, He's he- in, a, like, a coma. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> So he does make one really good point, though. Uh-huh. He, which is like, I can't believe I'm giving Archie credit for something. But he says that Hiram taught him how to use fear as a weapon and that it hurt people. Mm. And I was like, that is surprisingly insightful for an idiot. Yeah. But you know what? Idiots can be wise. Look at me. I was sometimes about to say. I'm, sometimes I'm smart. Exhibit A is standing right in front mm-hmm. of me. Um, He is the most angry that Hiram hired another Black Hood to take another shot at Fred, which I freaking forgot about. Yeah. I we for- just talked about that last episode. No, but, like, I forgot that, like, of all the Black Hood stuff that had happened, it was Hiram who hired the other Black Hood. Right. It wasn't just the Black Hood. Right. Anyway, it's time to murder Hiram. But a second challenger enters the arena. Oh, my goodness. The battlefield got weird. It, yeah, it got real weird. He's like, I brought a gun to an unarmed fight, and you also brought a gun, and now it's a gunfight. And this guy's fully just, like... <laughs> unconscious so like it's a pretty easy goal yeah but i took a really long time monologuing and that's my bad yeah he's like you know what if i've learned anything it's that i should probably just shut up but he didn't so archie hides while someone else comes in the room to murder hiram and archie is like um that is my job yeah and shoots the guy instead yeah and i want you to know that i was quoting you there i know okay. i knew you were the thing that cracked me up is like did Minetta purposefully dress like the black hood I think that the Black Hood purposefully dressed up as somebody who was, like, really hard to place. Okay. And so Mineta was trying to dress up and try and be, like... In dis- incognito. Incognito. In disguise, yeah. And that really just ended up looking like the Black Hood because the Black Hood dressed incognito. That's what I think. Mineta, may I suggest a tasteful gray hood? Hmm. Hmm. So, 
unfortunately, Hiram's fine. Um, Archie and Ronnie hug it out, and they're like, like, they kind of make peace with each other. She wants to know why Archie was there, and he lies and says he was looking for her. Archie says he's sorry for how he acted at the speakeasy and just in general. She's also sorry that she thought he shot Hiram, and Archie's like, <laughs> yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> That's so weird that you thought I was gonna do that, because I really wouldn't. That was really offensive to me yesterday, but today, not so Yeah, offensive. today, I'm like, yeah, no, that was a good idea. If anything, you gave me a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Ronnie. Yeah. Anyway, Hiram is awake, and he wants to chat with his best friend, Archie. Mm-hmm. Ronnie says that she'll be there if Archie never needs a friend to talk to, because they are never, ever, ever getting back together. Yeah. Until the end of the season. I'm just guessing. You think? Yeah. It's Varchie. I kind of hope they don't. Yeah, I know. I I don't really care. I'm just guessing. I'm really hoping that Veronica and Reggie kind of keep it going, but it really feels like Veronica's kind of always, and I know this was like about her dad this time, but like it seems like every time that Archie needs something, she's like always kind of just going back to him and she's never really going to be over it. Which is too bad for Reggie, because it seems like he really likes Veronica. Ronnie's just kind of using Reggie. But I'm kind of hoping, and this is just, like, not, it's obviously not healthy for their relationships, but, like, I like it because I live for the drama, and I also love li- love triangles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I kind of hope that Reggie and Archie start of, start to kind of butt heads about it, um, because then they have to play lovers in the musical. You know, the fact that you just implied that Archie and... Reggie had to play Lovers in the Musical was so much more exciting to me than the, in the entirety of the love triangle you just explained. Yeah. I was just like, yes, that would, that's not really gonna happen. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So Hiram really creepily greets Archie. Like, it's kind of weird. Archie says all he wants to do is live in peace and Hiram proposes a truth. I love that it was Hiram who proposed it. Okay, but here's the thing. He says that he won't move against Archie if Archie doesn't move against him. And I'm like, Hiram, that's a teenage boy. Yeah. Who literally did nothing to you but be super loyal. He can't do anything. your daughter like an angel. And you were like, hey, I must build vendetta against teenage boy. <laughs> like, you're such a creep, you loser. Hiram Lodge is a loser. I'm not a 16-year-old nerd. Yes, you are. <laughs> Inside, you are a 16-year-old loser nerd boy. Oh, I hate him so much. So they shake on it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, truce, bro. It's, yeah, I mean, we're going to see that all throughout this episode, but it really feels like this episode is kind of a turning point. It feels like they're really going to try and start over a lot of things. Like, they're getting rid of the Archie Hiram stuff. That's over. The tall boy thing is, is finished. Mineta, that's finished. Like... Um, the stuff with the fizzle rocks, that's all done because they burned it all. Obviously, there's going to be a problem with, uh, the buyer that Hermione had, but the Penelope thing with Betty is finished. Yep, and Penelope um, has her brothel, so... Yeah, it, it feels like this episode is a turning point for a lot of things because they a lot of things were... On, like, gargoyles. A lot of things were wrapped up this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Archie and Josie meet up again at the speakeasy. This time, Archie's sober. Imagine wow. a teenager being sober. Huh. He says, thank you for setting him straight. Um, and does she think that Tom would talk to him about boxing? Yeah, probably. Tom would talk to a lot of people. He's a very nice man. Yeah. And then my note is just, again, where is Kevin? Yeah. I just want to see Kevin. Yeah. He also wants to know if she wants to jam sometime, which she says yes to. You deserve better, Josie. But Archie has to sing back up. Now, I asked you this earlier, but you need to tell me all the options for the Josie and Archie ship names. Right. So there are a few things that I that I have read. Uh, Ashley, who plays Josie, mm-hmm. said um, Archosi, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But she also gave the option of Jarchi, 
which um, everybody was like, that's Jughead and Archie's. Yeah, that's why I wrote down Jarchie and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Jug and Archie, yeah. It is. I call them um, Archhead, but I because th- I think that's funnier. Yeah. But um, the other options, I saw one, and I've only seen this once by that one person. I didn't write their name down and I'm so sorry, but I saw them call them um, Ginger Cat. I, I love that. that was kind of cute yeah. because Archie's the ginger and Josie's the cat, exactly. obviously. Um, but I'm probably going to call them McAndrews. Uh, for McCoy and Andrews. I love that. So just to just to do that. But I read that um, Tom and Sierra's ship name is McKellar, but our friend Joanna called them Tierra, and I think, I think that's, that's cuter. So that's why I'm going to take McKellar and change it to McAndrews. Uh, yeah, so this, that, this has it's been better. my ship name discourse. Thanks. I loved it. We're done with Archie. Oh, wait, I have one more question. How in the world is Josie out here about to get with Archie? When he, when she saw how garbage he was to Val. Yep. Like, we're just forgetting about the whole thing with Val in season one, I guess. Who's Val? Yeah, right? And also, bring back. How is, how is Josie back singing at the speakeasy yeah. without anyone saying anything about it? Yeah, after she was jumped and she's like, I'm not working at the speakeasy anymore. Whatever. But another person that we need to bring back is Val's brother, my favorite character, Trev Brown. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> See, it's funny because Val's last name is also Brown. But no one ever, everyone always just calls her Val. But whenever they talk about Trev Brown, they would just call him Trev Brown. So that's his full name. Thanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Archie. That's Archie. Veronica? Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. The storyline that made Snow talk to him since. Did you mean all of them? Yeah, but this one especially. Okay. So basically because Hiram is out of commission, people are going to start ganging up on Veronica. She needs to start like collecting the things because that's what Hiram would do. And since Hiram is not out there collecting the things, then they like can tell that something is wrong. Okay. But does she... Does she explicitly say they're going to start ganging up on her? Elio um, implies that. Because, like, my whole thing is, like, Ronnie has never had a lick of interest in her father's business this season. In fact, she has um, explicitly gone against it. And said that he's a crooked man who runs a crooked business. And all of a sudden she's like, we need to save the family business. And I'm like, what? But then she's also like, mom, the family business is bad. So, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Pick a friggin' lane, Veronica. Like, (laughs) this is why I hate the storyline. Because, like, it goes against... Lipstick in my Valentino like handbag? Okay, but, like, literally right now. Like, that's, like, that's me right now. I don't get it. Veronica has talked about how much she hates her father's business. And then she's like, well, I'm gonna run the business. And I'm like, you have your own business to run and you're not even doing it well. There's teenagers drinking in your bar. Yeah. Um, so she gets flowers from Elio. And she says that she's paraphrasing Samuel Clemens when she says, like, um reports of his death have been greatly exaggerated um so i looked up who samuel clemens is it's literally just mark twain it's the it's it's what mark twain's real name is so like why would you say samuel clemens and not freaking mark twain she's so extra Brittany. that is a good point i love that little detail though yeah she's like um because you know what she elio's gonna have to do go look that up yeah go look up who samuel clemens is um it's a power move so basically he's saying like listen jobs that jobs like this don't go unfinished like you need to kind of watch out for your dad if that's what's gonna happen once again in the list of characters who i thought would come back elio was not on it didn't we literally say we never thought we'd see him again after the casino yeah well first of all we didn't think we'd see him again after the first part of the casino then we saw him again when he like took veronica to the fights and then we saw him again when when she started the casino and she like beat him in the casino and we thought okay well that's the end of him now for sure and now he's back again like shout out to the guy who plays elio but like what? There must be some bigger thing with his family moving on the lodges the closer we get to, like, the end of the season. Right, because I believe this episode is the first episode that we got uh, their last name. Yeah. So, well, what is their last name? Grande. Ariana? Elio. Ariana? 
Frankie? So Veronica goes to see Jughead, and he calls her Bacall. So Lauren Bacall was an American actress known for her distinctive voice and sultry looks. Did you really have to look up who Lauren Bacall is? Of course. I hate my life. How, how am I supposed to know? I knew who Lauren Bacall is. No, I know, but how am I supposed to know? I don't know. She wasn't on Lost, so how would you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also, I would have looked it up anyway. Because there are some people who are listening to this podcast who won't know. Mm, fair enough. Um, she was named the 20th greatest film star of classic Hollywood cinema by the American Film Institute and received an Academy Honorary Award from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 2009 in recognition of her central place in the golden age of motion pictures. So basically, yeah, Veronica in this moment. Yeah. She's like, here's some money. Uh, you'll get the other half of the money once you figure out who shot Hiram. But Jughead says that there are, is more than one person in this town who wants to see him kick the maple barrel. I thought that was interesting because Cheryl literally says later this episode... She literally uses maple barrel. Maple barrel. Yeah. So I don't know. Should it's we, weird. Should we start using that like as Canadians instead of kick the puppet? Puppet. Kick that puppet. <laughs> I gotta go kick that puppet. <laughs> now that means go to the bathroom. Yeah. Kick the puppet. <laughs> and the puppet is just a squatty potty. Okay. <laughs> kick it into place so I can go to the bathroom. Exactly. Yeah. She's like, here's your first suspect, Hermione. And he's like, that's your mom. She's like, sure is. Go off. And he says he's going to be Philip Marlowe. So Philip Marlowe was, earlier in the episode, Jughead mentions Raymond Chandler. And Raymond Chandler wrote a bunch of um, detective stories, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what this uh, episode is kind of based on. And the guy's detective's name was Philip Marlowe. Yeah. Some things that I got from his Wikipedia page. Underneath the wisecracking, hard-drinking, tough private eye, Marlowe is quietly contemplative and philosophical and enjoys chess and poetry. While he's not afraid to risk physical harm, he does not dish out violence merely to settle scores. Morally upright, he is not fooled by the genre's usual femme fatales. Sounds gay. I was gonna say sounds ace. Ooh! Either one! <laughs> so I wanted that to reject head. Oh, 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 you win, you win, take it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's why he, he calls himself that. Um, so Veronica goes to visit the ICU or the ICR, the intensive care room. (laughs) And she goes to chat with Leo and Nico, who unfortunately, I thought we're going to play a bigger role like Andre, RIP Andre. Um, but alas, they have immediately been fired. Um, but basically people are trying to take advantage of them. What? Leo and Nico? Uh-huh. But make them the Dolan twins. But make them the Dolan twins? <laughs> okay, which one's which, Brittany? Leo and Nico is which one? I'm so sorry we're I talking can't... about the Dolan twins. It's so embarrassing that we watch the fucking- <laughs> It's embarrassing that we watch the Dolan twins. Stop bringing up the Dolan twins. Sorry! Can't keep going. In reality, they are delightful, so you should please go listen to them. Or watch <laughs> they're them. So, they're just so stupid. People are trying to take advantage of them. Uh, no one's collecting. Maybe they should align with the Grandes. So that's that's Elio's family. Um, Elio Grande, which is a name. Um, and Veronica tells them not to mob-splain stuff to her. That is such a good line. She's so smart. But also, you kind of need stuff mob-splained to you because your dad keeps outplaying you. Yeah. So she fires them both because they, because they didn't not protect- oil. They didn't protect her dad from being shot anyway. And they're saying you should align with the Grandes. No. Loyalty first. You fight for who you work for. Yeah. So Veronica gets her, her inner circle, who is literally two people. Um, Smithers, who we haven't seen for a while. So I don't know how she found him because he was like on the run, I thought. He was like undercover as a freaking bus driver or whatever. And Reggie. I think he was just a bus driver, dude. That's what I'm saying. Is that like he was like undercover? Witness protection, kind of, like, a bus driver. Like, he's like, I'm still in Riverdale, but I'm not Hiram Lodge's dude anymore, or whatever. 
So Smithers starts telling this story about the army, because I guess he was in the army, because of course he was, because so was Pop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe they fought together. Maybe. So, um, but basically, they're going to impersonate Hiram. That's basically what's going to happen. Yeah, he's like, he literally is like, I have a story for you. And she goes, that gives me an idea. And it's like, that's that why the he told the, the story. story. <laughs> then there's a whole scene where she like goes to like collect from like these fishing dudes or, or whatever. I loved this scene. The only two things that happen is that Veronica goes to collect and they pretend it's Hiram, but it's actually Reggie. I love, like, I like I have nothing to say about this scene except that I love the way it was executed and I love, like, just sort of, like, the sneaky sneakiness of all. It's very, like, early 70s James Bond. It's fantastic. What I do have to say about it is when um, she gets back to the car, Smithers is like, way to go, Veronica. And she's like, yeah, and thanks, Reggie, for pretending to be my dad when you're not my dad. I'm like, Veronica, the windows are down. <laughs> I'm like, everyone can hear what you're saying. You should really assume, like, you can be heard at all times. So, basically, what we were kind of learning in this moment is that Hermione left a paper trail, which you're not supposed to because mobs or whatever, um, and she's, like, a part of Hiram's, like, drug thing. And she's like, no, I'm not. I made Hiram shut it down. And we learned that the quarantine was a distraction. So that's another thing that's being shut down this episode is like, okay, so the whole thing about the quarantine is gone, I this guess. This would have way more weight if we had seen the quarantine. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, maybe we should just destroy everything then. And she's like, no, let's sell it. And Veronica's like, hmm, sounds shady. She doesn't even need the money. What does no. she need the money for? Who knows? So Veronica is telling Reggie that she knows that Hermione hired someone so she could make money. Um, so her and Reggie should go and destroy all of the drugs and the equipment. Yeah. And they're like, okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, something about Bad Boys 2. Uh, you know what's so weird? I was just writing about Bad Boys 2 because for like five seconds, um, Megan Fox plays a stripper in Bad Boys 2. Oh. Did you know that? Sounds like something Megan Fox would do. Megan Fox is a feminist angel. No, that's what I'm saying, but yeah. it's Megan Fox. So and in a Michael Bay movie. So she would um, be cast as a stripper for her. Yeah. I didn't have anything to say except that my mom watched Bad Boys 2 a weird amount in my childhood. Okay. Um. So Veronica gets a call from Archie, yeah. and Reggie's kind of sad because she keeps answering the phone to her ex-boyfriend, which is kind of weird. Um. And kind of reminds me of To All the Boys I Loved Before, like in the, in the movie where he's literally like, at the diner with Lara Jean, and then he gets a text from Jen, and she's like, oh, yeah, like, whatever, and then he's like, yeah, it's fine, I'm not gonna answer her right now, I'll just call her later, and Lara Jean's like, mm, okay. Like, okay. It's like, we're not yeah. a couple, but, like, I'm still jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Veronica literally is just like, Reggie, can you do this by yourself? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And I'm like, okay, I see that you're glossing over this, but, like, you're telling him to break into a prison and steal a whole bunch of things by himself. By himself! Break it's, into a prison! It's, first of all, it's a prison. Second of all, um, there's a lot of equipment that he had to put in the back of his just one truck, and he probably had to take a lot of trips. So it's like, how do you not get caught doing that? Like, even if it would have made no sense because of Juggie's rules... If she'd said, take a couple serpents with you, I would have been like, okay, that makes more sense. Because he needs to break into a prison. Yeah. It would make a whole lot more sense if if she had said that. But um, instead, she's like, we need to tell the audience why I'm not going to be there and why we're not going to be seeing it. So can you do that? And he's like, sure. Um, So later, after the whole, if you need a friend, blah, 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 they go and they burn all of the stuff. And he's like, what are you going to tell your parents? She says, maybe the truth, but probably not. But then she does tell the truth. So like, I don't know. Okay. So I have a question. Okay. Burning those drugs. Mm. Not good for the air. 
wasn't good making them and putting the runoff in the river so like how good is it gonna be for the air quality i don't know also i said that was a question but it was more of a statement but like exactly Mm. like you know air water still drugs yeah okay so hermione comes up to veronica and she's like um angry and veronica's like yeah i freaking burned everything and she's like that's not great for me because um i already took the buyer's money and i already freaking spent it too (gasps) you spent it already (laughs) (laughs) so they're kind of in trouble but veronica doesn't seem like she cares that she's in trouble, which she probably kind of is a little bit, because who knows who this buyer is and could definitely go after Veronica as revenge. I think it's the Grandes. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that totally makes sense. Check that down for an official theory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they mentioned that the first thing... Oh, okay, so Veronica goes to Jughead at the end of the episode, and they're saying that, like, the first thing Hiram asked was who shot him, and because of, like, all the garbage that happens who in Jughead... shot Mr. Lodge? And of course, because of all of the garbage that happens in Jughead's storyline, which we'll talk about soon, um, he said, she just told him it was tall boy. Yeah. And Jughead's like, do you want to know who it actually was? And she's like, no. And I'm like, can't relate. I I would want to know. Yeah. Um, do you think Jughead would have told her? That's the thing is, it's just like, who's to say? Because if she had said, actually, yeah, tell me. And if Jughead said, yeah, it was my dad, she'd be like, cool. So, um, now I'm mad at your dad forever. your dad. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think you would have told? he really words it like he might have but i just i don't know it makes me wonder if he might have yeah but like i think he might have if he knew that ronnie would understand why fp did it right and i feel like ronnie would Uh at this point yeah so i don't know um another thing though is that jughead could also be like listen my dad did it but you were right your mom's the one who told him to yeah right so it's like he could put the blame a little bit somewhere else yeah cool do you, I think we should talk about Betty now, because I think that's probably the least, like, less important than the Jugget storyline. Does that make sense? Sure. Mm. Hey, Robin. Hey. Um, do you, have you ever heard of this thing called Patreon? Uh, a Patreon? Hmm. Actually, I think I have. Oh, do you want to tell me about it? Sure. So, I think it's a, um, service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. Oh, okay. Do yeah. you have any? Um, do I have some favorite creators? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite creators is, um, the Try Guys. God <laughs> I do actually, uh... I know you do. I think you have butter chicken sauce on your shirt. Where? Down farther. Oh my god, it must have splashed up while I was cooking. That's so funny. Oops. You know, because of that, because I think that is so funny, can I support you on Patreon? Yeah, you can. Really? Yeah, at patreon.com slash theaffectionados. No way. Yeah. Cool. I like how you flipped that on me so that I had to do it. Um, one thing that we keep forgetting to mention about our Patreon is that you get the podcasts early. Like, every single time. Yeah, you get them a day early, right? At least a day early. I should know these things, but Robin's in charge of the Patreon stuff because (laughs) I'm an idiot with money. So, yeah, you guys get it early. And you can only listen to it on SoundCloud because that's the only way that I can post it early. (laughs) But you you do get the, um, links early. Yep. So if you want the Riverdale podcast on Saturday instead of Sunday, that's the way to do it. Oh, thank you. Betty? I'm ready for Betty. Okay. I ready really for like the this. Betty, ready for the Betty, ready for the Betty, ready for the Betty. I don't Betty. know what song you're doing. Yeah, I think my sister would only get it. I'm pretty sure it's from Phineas and Ferb, actually. So Betty is back seeing Hal again. So Hal is getting exactly what he wants. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting exactly what I want because it turns out I'm in love with the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Also, I think Locke Monroe is doing such a freaking good job. Yeah. So if he can stay... One thing that I was really disappointed about was the, like, 
the affirmation that Chick is in fact dead because I really loved Hart Denton's work and yeah. I would oh. have liked to see him again and a, no death, no body, no death, but um, basically Hal told Penelope, who told Betty that he fully did kill Chick. Yeah, yeah, he's um, fucking dead, man. Which is kind of too bad because I really liked him. Yeah. And it's not like someone put him on a bus and sent him out of town somewhere. Joaquin? No, that was Jughead's excuse for where Tall Boy went. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dad, I just, I put him on a bus. You put him, you put a murderer on a bus? Yeah! To send you to peril. Problem. <laughs> um, but, like, I think the main reason why Betty is going to see Hal is obviously because he has, like, some sort of weird insight into what Betty's trying to figure out, but also because her other two family members are, like, obsessed with the farm, and, like, the farm is kind of, you know, taking all Betty's money and everything is bad, so, like, Hal's really the only person that she can really confide in right now, and I'm just I mean, saying... That if, like, Chick was still alive, I'd kind of be interested in her, like, maybe just talking to Chick about it. Well, because Chick kind of had, like, sociopathic tendencies yeah. as well. Anyway, I just, like, would love to see Chick again, and I'm disappointed, and I hope that maybe we get him back in a flashback sometime. That'd be cool. So Betty is showing Hal a newspaper article called A Blossom Falls. Interesting that Claudius gets his own freaking article? Well, that, and it's called The Lodge Ledger It's now. called The Lodge Ledger now. So, I think that's messed up, because when it was the Riverdale Register, it was like, cool, so it's about a, it's about Riverdale? And now it's just like, here's the propaganda the lodges want to give you. Literally. So, anyway. This it's Fox News. It says it was a suicide, but how would he have gotten cyanide in his cell or whatever? I mean, the answer I would think is that he just, like, I mean, cyanide, cyanide pills capsule? are, like, a thing. Yeah, like, the capsule type of thing. And Hal says the poison is subtle and elegant, like Penelope. I made a funny tweet about this, thank you. Did you? Yeah, I, I did. It. it was like, um, Betty. Betty, colon. Penelope is a gross, terrible serial killer. Hal, colon. Hot damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, Penelope is, like, that one character into Chicago where she's like, I guess some guys just can't hold their arsenic. That's such a good one. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And now it's too late. If there were more women murderers on this show, we would have had to, like, tag each one of them as one of the girls the, in Chicago. The, the, what is it? The Mary Murderesses of some, uh, something row, you know? The six Mary Murderesses? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Oh my god, I guess we'll just have to, like, listen to it because that's how they introduced them in the song that sucks cell block cell block tango no but it's the six mary of, Mer of the cook county, cook county jail. jail yeah basically Be betty is saying that penelope's been killing been killing people for years and they're and they're thinking that maybe clifford wasn't a suicide which is cool because we had brought that up i'm pretty yeah. sure we had said like what if that wasn't a suicide what if that was penelope but Were you getting my theory is that it wasn't Penelope. I think it was Cheryl. Yeah, that's... Cheryl was acting really shady. Like, yeah. I was getting some weird vibes from Cheryl. Like, I think maybe it was Cheryl that one time. I think it's been Penelope every other time, but maybe that one was Cheryl. She learned it from Penelope. But it's interesting that Cheryl is covering for Penelope, but Penelope is covering for Cheryl basically by, like, admitting that it was her who yeah. did that one. Why is Hal helping Petty... Helping Betty get Penelope. I think because it's so entertaining for him. Is he's it? playing both sides. He gets to see the whole game board. Yeah. Especially because he's got to be freaking bored in that freaking cell. Because it's so... It's, so, it's mm, solitary confinement. Yeah. And another reason is he knows what he's told Penelope. So he probably... He knows everything. He, he probably knows that Betty won't get Penelope because Penelope will also blackmail Penelope. Yeah. Or, blackmail Betty. Yeah. So she's gonna go talk to Cheryl. Betty goes to Claudius's funeral. This is tactless. 
I'm not on Betty's side here. It's a little gross to go to the funeral to go talk. Like, just wait yeah. until after the funeral. It was like, she went to the funeral where she knew that, like, obviously, like, people were going to be emotional mm-hmm. to try and accuse someone of something. Weirdly enough, no one was emotional except for Penelope. But, like, obviously, Cheryl seemed a little shaken up. Yeah, although she didn't know Uncle Claudius her whole life until, like, a year ago. Maybe. No, but, like, it was still, like, that was. like, yet another blossom down, you know? Like, their ranks are already so low. Yeah. And then, like, someone she, like, knows is literally family to her is like, hey, I'm not actually here to support you in any way. Right. I'm here to, like, accuse you of So, Shoni is also there, obviously. That means there's, like, no more twins. No more, um, Claudius and Clifford. Like, if they freaking show up and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's- A triplet! (laughs) Uh, it's, it's Cornelius Blossom. Please, I hope so. The, the triplet. Oh my We'd God. be like, Nana Rose, come on. You gonna tell us anything? Like, come on, She's Nana like, Rose. I just didn't remember. <laughs> but basically, like, Dagwood and Juniper at this point are the only twins that we know that are still intact. Yeah, that, those are their names. Did you have to remind me that Polly is a character? Mm. Ugh. I noticed that the photo at his funeral was a photo of him, like, in military garb. So that's, like, another military type person oh, that we've yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although he's dead, so I guess it doesn't matter. Penelope says that the reason why she thinks he killed himself was because Riverdale never welcomed him. Sure. Okay. But Nana Rose is also not buying it. Um, why is Nana Rose Loki turning out to be, like, a hero whenever it suits the narrative? It's like, that's that's another character that's just, like, are you really inconsistent? Every Blossom is inconsistent except for Penelope, who is always just not gonna help you at all. I would argue that Penelope is kind of inconsistent. After seeing her in the Midnight Club, she was, like, still pretty likable. And, but she, like, mentions that a lot of her childhood and the stuff that we would have seen, stuff we would have seen take hold of her before she was in the Midnight Club, like she was saying that she wrote to Jeffrey Dahmer while she was in the Midnight Club, or, like, around that timing. Um, She talks about how, like, the Blossoms... Another thing in the Midnight Club is that she mentioned that Thornhill is, like, the worst place ever, and she hates everything about that about it. She hates the Blossoms. Any time that she can spend away from Thorn- Thornhill is a blessing. Like, I don't know- like, fully never leaves. I don't know what happened after that, but, like, clearly- I mean, you know, Featherhead died, and she's like, Clifford, I want to blah, 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 whatever. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I actually don't know what you're saying either. I wish I knew what track you were on, but I don't quite understand it. Well, you were saying that Other all the Blossoms- Other than like- Pen, uh, we haven't seen her evolution. Yeah. You know, like, she just basically went from innocent little bean with kind of an attitude to incestual marriage. Yeah. And murderer. So you were saying all the Blossoms were inconsistent, and then, except for Penelope, yeah. and I was just saying why I think Penelope's a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. But I think adult Penelope is consistent yeah. in being, like, this fantastic evil person. Yeah. Whereas, like, Cheryl's personality changes episode to episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love Cheryl. And they I found don't her a little. what they're doing with Cheryl. They found her a little bit more recently, but um, definitely season one, we were like, who's Cheryl today? And, like, definitely, like, once Cheryl was out, like, you know, I related a lot to, like, her settling down and, like, calming down as a person because once I was out, like, I understood a lot more about myself. Mm-hmm. So, like, the writers backtracking with, like, Tony and Cheryl becoming, like, bandits who don't care about anyone, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, after the funeral, Cheryl knows that Betty came for a different reason. Like, she knows she has an ulterior motive. And Betty's like, yeah, I'm just a little uh, weirded out because um, people near you keep getting poisoned. And she's like, um, my dad hung himself. That was definitely how he died for sure. 
So, and basically, Betty's like, is it? Tony's like, is everything okay here? And she's like, Betty's being annoying. Please leave, Betty. And Betty's like, okay. So she leaves. Okay, I love how much Tony was like, get out. Yeah, can like, you just go? That is like Cheryl's like protector. Yeah. We learned that there was no autopsy on Claudius um, because Penelope cremated him too quickly. Um, Which is what innocent people do. Exactly. Uh, Clifford, though, that's what we're waiting on. After they go into the weird sex cult thing, um, they find Penelope and she's like, oh my god, get out. Um, And they're like, does the sheriff know about your brothel? And she's like, I hope he doesn't figure it out. Man, so gonna be like, I'm gonna go tell my dad. How many times did Kevin get to pull the my dad's a sheriff card? Ned Jughead gets to do it. My father will hear about this. Exactly. But literally. Yeah. So one thing that I did actually like about this scene is that Betty's like, you're exploiting women. And she's like, we're not exploiting women. Everybody who's here wants to be out here, which is a positive outlook on the sex industry. Yeah, it's like, I wish that it was legal so then it could be, like, legitimate legal sex work. Yeah. Because, like, you know, in my opinion, as, like, a sex-positive feminist, I think if you want to do that with your career, go off. Mm -hmm. Like, do whatever you want. As long as you're in charge of your own life. Yeah. And your own career. But it doesn't seem like it's a legal operation, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But it is nice to hear a show not just be like, you're right, I'm a horrible person. All the women I have here are victims. You know what I mean? But she's like, no, only men suffer here. And I'm like, oof. Penelope is a misandrist. Fully. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. She mentions that she was taken away at eight years old, but she's not the one who killed the nuns. I kind of think that the nuns killed themselves because of the, like, just, like, yeah, Gargoyle King like, stuff. Hey, people caught us doing bad things. Yeah. We, we don't want to live anymore. Yeah, and and they had blue lips, so it, like, makes me think that they probably just killed themselves. But she says she didn't kill the nuns because the head dude of the, like, organization was the one who sold her anyway. Yeah. Um, so once again, another dude to hate. Uh, and Penelope says that she was here at her little maple club when he died, so. I kind of love the name the maple club. The word maple at this point has no meaning. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I hear maple, like in real life yeah. now, like as people in Canada, I'm like Riverdale. Yeah. And now I'm really mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> because my Pavlovian response should be Canada, mm-hmm. and it's Riverdale or Riverdale. syrup. Ugh, syrup. But yeah, I loved <laughs> when we were watching. We like saw that like the door instead of a, do- a room number, it was like just a maple, and we were like, is that a Canadian flag. It was a reasonable guess at first. I didn't even get that it was a maple leaf because it was the maple club until like today when I did my rewatch. Oh my god, you're so special. I know, and I was like- I got it immediately. As soon as- as soon as- when I was rewatching, I was like, yeah, why is it a maple- oh, mm, obviously. Because because literally the dominatrix says, this is the maple club. Well, the leaf completely lost- as soon as they were like, it's a sex club, I was like, oh, maple, maple leaf is gone fully gone. I'm thinking of something else now. Okay. Okay, so Dr. Curdle found Clifford's autopsy. Um, Penelope requested there not be one, because once again, that's totally what an innocent person does. Yeah, of course. Um, but Dr. Curdle did it anyway, because all the doc- all the- all the mortuaries are, uh, crooked, I guess? Uh, are you accusing Hilda and Zelda of something? A little bit. Of what? Being witches? Yeah. That's not a crime. This ain't the 1800s. But, like- even when Ambrose is, like, taking apart that one guy, what's his name, Frickin' Connor or whatever? Yeah. And then they're just like, well... And then Zelda, doesn't Zelda say, cool, we'll eat him or something? Oh, yeah! They totally desecrate the bodies. Yeah. Ooh. Um, they're witches. They can't help it. Okay. <laughs> it looks like he was hung, but it looks like he was hung after he was murdered with pufferfish venom. <laughs> Sorry, you said he was hung, and I was like, Robin, why are you talking about his dick? 
Why would I? Why would I be talking about that? <laughs> I was like, that didn't would. even cross my freaking mind, Brittany. Well, it never would, but it crossed mine. That was funny. Okay. Um. Here's but but. Where is she getting a pufferfish? That's the from? thing is that every single time someone's been poisoned, it's been like something from her garden, something from her garden. Where are you gonna get a pufferfish from? I don't know where that one came from, especially on such short notice because it was like pretty immediate that they had to kill him. I'm literally RuPaul looking at Jasmine Masters dancing with a thing of bread and going, "Where'd you get a loaf of bread? Isn't, Where'd you get pufferfish venom? When they when when Cheryl said you did a bad thing, Daddy. Wasn't he, like, eating? Like, they were, like, he, Clifford and Penelope were, like, eating. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so Betty goes to talk to Penelope, and she basically says, gotcha, I got the autopsy, beach." That's exactly what she says. Yeah. And Penelope's like, oh, why don't, aren't you gonna ask why I keep killing people? Show me the receipts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny and Betty's like, like, I actually have them right here. And I, that whole scene, Robin, I was sitting there going, did she make a copy? Did she make a copy? Did yeah. she make a copy? I expected Penelope to grab the thing and just, Yep. Rip it right in half. But um, I love how Penelope's like, just to be clear, I'm not admitting to anything, but if I were to be admitting to things, here's what I would say, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's like, aren't you going to ask why? And she's like, is it because you suck? And he's like, mm. she's like, no, it's because men suck. Like, sometimes. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> um, she killed Clifford because he killed Jason. She says Daryl was a Judas. Does that mean he was a, uh, he betrayed somebody? Yes, it does. Who did he betray? Well, so we know... Hal tries to take the blame for poisoning the chalices, but we found out that he was lying about that. Yeah, he just wanted attention. We thought that he was lying for Penelope because Penelope poisoned the chalices, but Penelope earlier when they were talking about Daryl was saying that Daryl was the one who poisoned the chalices. That's the only way that I can think of him being a person who betrayed them. Like, he betrayed the Midnight Club. That's that's the only Maybe. thing I can think of. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. And, of course, we're reading really far into it when too, we don't really have to. Yeah. Um, and the reason why Claudius sucks is because he caused the seizures because of the runoff into the river. So she says that it was from their maple factory. Once again, maple. But that makes me think it was, like, what that means it was, like, above, like, up on a hill and then the runoff, like, came down into the actual town, I guess. Yeah. Um, she says, why did he- Robin learn things. Geography. Actually, more it's topography, isn't it? Topography. Yeah. 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 I guess I was just trying to say that it's not like the maple factory was, like, after the town in the way of the river. Like, it's before the town. Do you think that the water would have tasted like maple then? I feel like that's maybe something that everyone likes about living in Riverdale. Maybe that's why they'll stay. Maybe. She's like, why does it only affect the girls? Which is a great question, but Penelope's basically like- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like hand wavy science. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I think about that. About that. And I'm like, writers, I see you, and I don't respect this. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to get away with this many. Like, what am I trying to say? Plot holes. You know what? Sure. Okay. Um. It's holier than Swiss cheese. They say, she says that there were some tests on the water, obviously because there were seizures and terrible things were happening. Clearly very faked, though. But also, Betty, I know some stuff that you've done, so uh, don't tell her. I will. Draw. And then they say no one's innocent in crime town. Oh my god. I don't know if this is a reference to something. I it's a reference to Chinatown. The movie, not the place. No, I know. And I have a whole thing about Chinatown because of the name Mulray. Yeah. But is it because they say no one's innocent in Chinatown? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, Crime Town is funny. That's Ask a funny thing. why I've seen Chinatown. Why? Because I'm gay and I love Mark Helgenberger. Okay. Okay, thank you. For our last scene with Betty, she's back with Hal again, um, and is saying that she knows Penelope is guilty, but kind of feels bad for her. 
And Hal says that he and Penelope were products of their environment. So this is another, you know, nature versus nurture type of thing. Probably a little bit of both for both of them. This is what I found so fascinating about this scene is in our world today, things are incredibly black and white. And it makes a lot of sense considering like what we've grown up around. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, oh my God, like, you know, there's gray areas to murder. There isn't. It's Mm -hmm. murder. Cool motive, still murder. Like Penelope and Hal are both still murderers. But it's interesting to explore why they do what they did. And I think a lot of people are always just like, no, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The fascinating part of the human condition is learning why we are the way we are Mm -hmm. and why other people operate the way they do that is outside the normal socialized boundaries that like we're used to. So like, I love that Riverdale kind of like introduced this debate where it was like, we are responsible for our actions, but here are the reasons for them. They don't excuse them, but here's the reasons. Mm -hmm. And the problem that I think that Betty has here is she goes, I kind of feel bad for her. Yeah. It's like, I feel bad for her in the past, Mm. in the present she, that is a grown-ass woman making her own decisions. Mm-hmm. She chose to murder people. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. Betty says, maybe not every murderer is guilty. And I'm like, well, no. I, like, I understand self-defense, but like, um, yeah, yes. every murderer is guilty. If, if you commit murder, um, you've committed what you might call a crime. In my opinion, like, there's somebody who has killed somebody for self-defense, and there is a murderer, you know? Like, a oh, murderer yeah, for sure. is different than somebody who killed when for self-defense. When you go out to defense. the intent to harm yeah. versus, I mean, that's the difference between murder and manslaughter, mm-hmm. you know? So, I would say, in fact, that every murderer is guilty, mm-hmm. personally. Um, maybe not every victim is innocent. Those are, that's cool. And maybe That's a worrying thing, though. And maybe the world isn't split into good people and death eaters. That part... Go away. Okay. But um, that part I think was, like, interesting is... And I think is damaging is not every victim is innocent mm-hmm. is... We live in the era of, like, the whole, like, Me Too movement. Yeah. Which is one of the most important things that, like, is going on for women culturally. For this show to be putting out that kind of message concerns me. Yeah. It's interesting that she says not every victim is innocent to Hal. Like, the person who was killing people for not being innocent. Yeah. Like, is she supposed to be talking about, like, Chick or something? Or, like, is it that Penelope is a victim, but she's not innocent? I don't know. There's a lot of line crossing here where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. I see what you're doing, but I'm uncomfortable with the way you're communicating. It's a cool line, but basically what what you're telling me, like, if I'm understanding this correctly, is, listen, not all murderers are bad. Sometimes there's a reason they kill people. And I'm like, that's not okay. And also, like, that's the reason we have Orange is New Black. Mm. Go away. If we wanted to sympathize with prisoners, we'd watch that show. Yeah. And lastly, um, Hal basically asks, will you ever be able to see me in a new light like you see Penelope? And I'm like, kind of hope so. (laughs) I think that's kind of cool. No, I'm worried about that because this is like gaslighting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. rewriting the narrative in Betty's brain and changing her perception of him from murderer to freedom fighter. I know. That's so messed up. I'm just saying I think that's, like, a a cool thing for them to... Oh, like, it's an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. As long as, like, she is able to overcome it. Yeah. And the show, like, recognizes, hey, what he's doing is gaslighting her. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's all I have for Betty. Would you like to talk about her boyfriend, Jughead? I would, but first, have you um heard about any cool cons that are happening in Vancouver? Yeah, I actually have heard of one. Um, it's called Sweet River Con. No way. Yeah, it's happening uh this year in November, 
And if you want more information on this Riverdale-themed con with special guests Meech and Emmett, Skeet Ulrich, and Camila Mendez, you can go to unityeventscanada.com. And more guests on their way. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, when yeah. they do Unity Days, they have, like, 10-plus people, like, guests there, usually. Mm-hmm. So, if you like Riverdale, there's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. It's really exciting. Okay, yeah, let's talk about her boyfriend, Jughead. Okay, so, Juggy is kicking us off in the episode with the land of good writing. Mm-hmm. Because he's actually narrating in a very interesting and fascinating way that I just am in love with. It's a I, type narration. And you know what really was great this episode also, to, like, really tie into the theme? The music! Oh my god, we have- yeah, exactly. It has to be recognized. The music was incredible. Yeah, it was so good. It really tied everything together. I was a big fan of the music this yeah. episode. Um, He packs his narration full of references so that we really know what the mood of this episode yeah, is. Yeah, seriously. Also, bonus points for the Bijou reference. The Bijou. Isn't that... Yeah, that's just a reference to the show, right? Yeah, but whenever the show remembers its own stuff, I'm like, oh, oh sweet. Okay, great. Yeah. I was like, wait, has the Bijou been a reference to something this whole time we haven't said anything? No. Okay, great. So he says everyone in town has secrets, including him, mm-hmm. but his secret is um, a freaking dead guy. Yeah. Which I think is bigger than most secrets. Did, I think he says noir town, right? Yeah. Uh, would you like to hear about a movie about noir town? I sure would. Are you sure? No, but you're going to do it anyway. Are you a fan of the Muppets? Oh, no. Is it really Muppets? I don't think it's like the Muppets, but um, the the summary is, is, is thusly. Thusly is a word, right? Did I say yes. that right? <laughs> you use it right, but yes. Okay, great. In a town where puppets and people walk the streets, a puppet detective is on the case of his missing uncle. I'm done. He has a competition from every man, woman, and dummy wanted to be named Noir Town's top detective. I'm, I'm actually done listening to this. Cool. Cool. Do you want to talk about Raymond, Nor- Raymond Thornton Chandler? Yes, I would love to talk about Raymond Chandler. Okay. Was an American-British novelist and screenwriter. In 1932, at at the age of 44, Chandler became a detective fiction writer after losing his job as an oil company executive during the Great Depression. In addition to his short stories, Chandler published seven novels during his lifetime, all but Playback, which is one of his novels, have been made into motion pictures. So that's pretty cool when you get to say, like, all your movies are made into stuff. Um, Some more than once. In the year before his death, he was elected president of the Mystery Writers of America. Chandler had an immense stylistic influence on American popular literature. He is considered to be a founder of the hard-boiled school of detective fiction. The protagonist of his novels, Philip Marlowe, is considered by some to be synonymous with private detective. Mm -hmm. So, that's cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. So, back in the world of Riverdale. Yes. Juggy arrives in the bunker. Mm -hmm. And, or actually, just kidding. We arrive in the bunker. Yeah. And Juggy and SPF are explaining to Sheriff... I'm trying so hard not to say Sheriff Daddy. Sheriff FP. That that that's just who he is. Okay. Um, was FP in the bunker? Yes, last episode. Yes. When? When they beat the crap out of Tallwood. Oh right. So um, they I'm, say. Mm-hmm. I'm just like. Yeah, he like, didn't have any questions. He I just mm-hmm, would have liked to see FP be like, ah. be like, hey, why do you guys have a bunker? Hey, you know what? One of our things that we um were most angry about about Dilton's bunker was that the police didn't know about it. And now the police, the police know, about know about it. So and still, wrap that up. Nothing will happen. Yeah. Oh, so Jughead says that they shoved a tall boy who really was a tall boy because it turned out he was 6'5". Yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember when we had that whole thing that was like, how tall is tall how boy? Tall is tall boy. He, he's supposed to be taller than Sweet Pea. How tall is Sweet Pea? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, and somebody did like the math slash asked Jordan Connor. Pegged slash sweet pea. And we figured out how tall he was. Mm-hmm. That's a really long tag. Just waiting for you to go through your own sweet pea tag. Luckily, I just recently um, 
reorganized. Uh, reorganized all of the. <sighs> Jordan Connor is exactly six five. He said it. He told somebody on Instagram. Okay. Anyway, so back when they were like, "Tall boy, you're the tallest boy, and that's why you can steal the Pickens heads, Pickens, Pickens statue's head." And he I was wasn't like, the "Tallest boy." And I was like, "Hey, Sweet Pea's pretty tall." Hmm. Oh no! But they're like, "Oh, but Sweet Pea wouldn't do that. He's such a Sweet Pea." FP um totally doesn't buy their thing that like they sent him off. Yeah. He's like he's literally like, "Hey, you guys have committed a crime. Come back with a better crime story." Yeah. Right? Okay? But FP like doesn't have time for this because he has to go hunt down Hiram's assassin, which is himself. He's, he's not going to have himself. to look far. Yeah. yeah. Look in the mirror. He tells Juggy that he needs a better story for next time that they see each other, and then he leaves without noticing the whole ass dead guy under the bed. I thought it was so funny that Jughead called him Tall Boy Petite. Like, we know that his name is Gerald Petite, which is already funny because it's, like, calling someone who else is, like, really tall, tiny, you yeah. know? Like, it's, like... But, like, anybody who forgot that his name was actually Gerald Petite is, like, Tall Boy Petite? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My whole thing is, like, at what point did FP think, yeah, this is a normal smell for the bunker? Right. Like, there's a dead guy mm -hmm. under your butt, and you did not notice. FP's like, Dead eh. people smell! I feel like I smell dead people all the time. It's just like, I FP's gone nose blind to dead people. That's gross. It's only been a day, to be fair. He still would have started- Dude, do you know what happens to, like, your bowels when you die? Mm, fair. Yeah. So, Jughead goes to visit Hermione. This is such a weird little scene. Because, like, all they do is, like, textually ask all the questions we've had. So, like, he's like, yeah. hey, did you shoot Hiram? I thought that was actually pretty funny. She's yeah. like, I love my husband. He's like, right. Did you shoot him, though? Yeah, like, did <laughs> That's you know? not the answer. And spoiler alert, um, yeah, she did. She kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing, just going back a little bit, is that um, Jughead says that Claudius had taken the big sleep, which is the name of a Raymond Chandler story. Yes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah, so Jughead asked her if she shot her husband, yeah. and she's like, no. Yeah, mm, kind of. Um, so Jughead has good instincts, but we're only seven minutes into the episode. So Does Jughead have good instincts? Yes, because I think Jughead got everything right this episode. Yeah, but Veronica was like, hey, go see my mom, and he's like, great. And then he went to go see Hermione. Oh, good point. Yeah. But everything else, yeah. Yeah, but he knew that. Yeah, all right. He probably would have gone to Hermione first anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hermione says that she loves Hiram, you know, like a liar. Juggy says that he heard things aren't too swell between the lodges, mm -hmm. but luckily, Hermione has an alibi. Mm -hmm. She was at the only restaurant in their place getting food. Yeah, I was totally there. Okay. Um, but then why did Ronnie hear them fighting? Hmm. And it turns out that Hermione found out from Manetta, who is super dead, so don't worry, Jughead, he's dead. This was before he became dead because he's dead. <laughs> I love that part. Oh, yeah, I had Sheriff Minna follow him before he died, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so you like, because he's super dead, right? <laughs> um, that Hiram is having an affair. Oh my god. She said she doesn't know who the other woman is. Um, that's Kelly Ripa, Remini. It's Kelly Ripa. It's Kelly Ripa. Yeah. I thought it was so, I was like so sad because Mark and Kelly didn't get to have like a scene together. Like the only time they actually like got to be in character together was like during the shoot for like those pictures. I feel like they'll, she'll be back. You think so? Yeah. Ooh. I definitely thought it was just going to be like a one-time thing. No, I definitely think she'll be back. I mean, isn't she busy? She like hosts things. That's true. I don't know. I think she'll be back. Okay. So Jughead says another woman is a great motive to shoot someone. Mm -hmm. Isn't it though? Just isn't it though? Mm -hmm. um, but apparently Hermione asked Hiram to end his affair and Hiram did as he was asked for once in his life. Sure, Jan. There's twice in this episode in which Hermione is just like, Hiram was doing something bad and I told him to stop and he did. Like, like he said, she also no, says he that about the drugs and it's like, ah, uh, uh, mm. friggin' doubt it. Maybe he stopped it because uh, he could no longer do things because he was shot. Yeah. So she infers that maybe it was the mistress that had Hiram murked because he apparently 
Jughead knows how volatile blondes are. Mm. Okay. So, um, SPF <laughs> called Jug to the bunker because they're nervous boys who murdered a guy. <laughs> Jughead's just like, oh, yeah, Alice? Pfft. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> that was what I was thinking, too. He's like, yeah, Buddy's mom is a handful. The Gargoyle gang is looking for tall boy. Yeah. He's tall and he's a boy, so it should be easy to spot. It makes sense, though, if they're just like, um, the Gargoyle King was supposed to show up and he's not here. Um, have you seen the Gargoyle King? We're all, like, really nervous. We can't even find his outfit. Yeah. We tried to put it on Jimmy back here, (laughs) but he wasn't (laughs) tall enough. So, Brittany. What? The tall, like, the, the, the Gargoyle King that Jughead and Betty saw at the very beginning of the season in the, in the forest. Mm -hmm. Was that tall boy? Yeah. So it was, like, officially tall boy this whole time? Yeah. So, um, Jughead has jobs for both of the boys because they don't know how to do anything. They're stupid. Um, Fangs has to stay with tall boy and lock down the bunker. And Sweet Pea is needed in another plot line. You guys. Seriously? Are they gonna yeah, ignore- seriously. Like, they're not gonna have, like- First of all, okay, listen. Fangs and Sweet Pea are, like, my two favorite characters, so, like, I'm fully biased about this, but, like- you know those episodes where it's, like, somebody kills somebody and then, like, they start having, like, visions about, like, like, this happens on Lost, this happens on The 100, like, they kill somebody and then they feel bad about it and they start having, like, visions and, like, voices in their heads of this person who, you know what, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just feel like you're really overinflating the importance of Fangs. Fully. I'm just saying it would be cool because, like, Fangs literally killed Tallboy, felt bad, and now Jughead is saying, stay in this dusty-ass bunker with a dead man this whole time. Mm. Like, is that not going to start getting your head, like, a little confused? You know what I mean? Maybe he just, like, puts headphones on Maybe. and just, like, blasts music and pretends that there's not a rotting guy under the bed. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. So, Betty and Jug are trailing after Hiram's meth stress. Apparently, a concierge tipped him off about a room that doesn't, like, exist. So, like, how did they end up at the hotel in the first place? Mm. Like, why did they think, oh, we should go to this hotel? Mm. No one said go to the Five Seasons. Actually, Hermione said um, that he's been meeting up with her at the Five Seasons. Hermione said go to the Five Seasons, which is why it makes perfect sense (laughs) that they would go there. Yeah. So, like, the room doesn't exist, but I wonder if it's the one with the neon leaf on it. Maybe. I don't know. So they walk into the hotel room and they find a whole ass sex club inside, which is neat. And then they find a guy getting whipped. And just, like, a reminder that these kids are, like, 16, 17 years Mm -hmm. old. And they're in a sex club. Yeah. A BDSM club. And a guy is getting whipped. And this is all normal. His name is Mr. Arclight. I couldn't... I, I have no idea what that means. Arclight is a theater. Oh, uh, yeah. But that... I, that's it. That's all I got You for think it. that's what it is? I don't know. Um, he also... Like, Betty's like, let's go. And Jughead's like, would Bogart just um, give up? And that's another thing that brings us back to Chandler and Philip Marlowe and stuff because Humphrey Bogart played Marlowe in most of the movies yes. of the thing. Um, so Jughead and Betty actually, like, rudely interrupt, um, a scene with the dominatrix and her, like, her little buddy. <laughs> we went for very different words there. <laughs> um, and then for some reason she's fine with explaining what the Maple Club is to two underage kids. She's like, hey, I don't have any boundaries. This is a sex club. And I'm like, they're teenagers. Well, he gives her money. Only after. Yeah, that's true. She, He only gives her money when he says, hey, do you know who this is? And she's like, um, you just interrupted one of my sessions and sent mm-hmm. my client away. And he's like, here's money. And I'm like, you're taking money from teenagers. Mm-hmm. Gross. Um, also, she uses the phrase safe word with them. And I'm like, they shouldn't know what a safe word is. I know Dark Betty probably knows what a safe word is, but I'm just not comfortable with any of this. I kind of hope they do know what a safe word is. I hope they do, too, considering the gross crap they do. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets her coin, and then she answers that Hiram's mistress has never been there, but she's staying in room 311. Ah! Uh, 
which is the number of the, the episode. episode. And then Penelope shows up to kick them out, and Jughead pulls the, pulls the sheriff card, and we dovetail into that plot line. Yeah. So, cut to Betty and Juggy splitting up. Jughead breaks into room 311. Yeah. So Juggy breaks into room 311 and finds a Glamour J egg. And then Kelly Ripper arrives, and she has a gun. And her name is Mrs. Mulray, and she has a gun, and she has a gun. She has a gun. Which is, like, a choice for a health inspector. Um, and Jughead says, if you shoot me, I will drop this egg. And suddenly this egg is a huge deal. Yeah, I was like, what's with the egg? Okay, so here's the tea. I was so frustrated that these stupid eggs seemed to be so important that I went and learned about Fabergé eggs, mm. okay? Okay. So there was this guy, Peter Fabergé, mm-hmm. and he made custom eggs for the Russian royal family. So only like Anastasia? No, like 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 right before the Soviet Union. So not Anastasia. No. Okay. Was Anastasia Russian? Great. Okay. I'm not stupid. No. So the Tsar actually wanted one for his gift. Like he was like, I need a gift for my wife. Our anniversary is on Easter. So the first Fabergé egg was made. Yeah. Like literally that was the whole thing. It's like that was the first Fabergé egg. And it wasn't even like the most expensive thing that had ever been made for the royal family. It just happened to be like this little thing that, like, they made. Like, the jewelry was worth way more. If it was me, I'd be like, can you make a Fabergé puppy dog? Yeah. Yeah. But it was Easter. Oh. So it was an <laughs> egg. Okay, Fabergé Easter bunny? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, So they just kept doing that year after year as she would get a new egg. And in total, the Fabergé, like, family made, I believe it was 60 eggs. Oh my goodness. Um... 57 of them, no, it wasn't 60. I know that 57 eggs went to the royal family. Seven went to, like, a private, like, buyer. And then I think seven have been lost. And so, like, the Fabergé eggs are, like, scattered around the world now in different museums. And, like, there's only ever been those couple. Oh. So they're worth a crap ton of money because they will never exist again. See, I'm glad you looked that up because I was out here thinking you could walk into Tiffany's and buy one. No. The you know fact what I mean? that, like... Hiram bought Hermione a Glamourge egg. And they broke it. And they broke they it. They smashed it. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, these things are worth, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yikes. And, like, inside, there's, like, these little things that they called surprises. Mm-hmm. So each one would have something inside. So the first one was pure white, and inside was just a solid gold ball. So anyway, so that's why the Glamourge eggs are such a big deal. Because kay. they will never be made again, and why Fabergé eggs are such a big deal. They actually, okay, this is my favorite little tidbit that I learned that I'm sure no one's going to care about. But for the longest time, there was this lost surprise to one of the eggs. And they couldn't find the surprise. Like, they assumed that it had been lost in, like, you know, the overthrow of the the royal family and the Soviet Union and everything that's happened in Russia since then. And then one day, a collector was just in Buckingham Palace and in the back of a cabinet found this ornate elephant. And they were like, holy sh**. The queen has had the surprise inside a Fabergé egg the entire time. And it had been missing for years. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, um, this egg is literally worth more than Jughead would ever make. So she was right. Kelly Ripa was mm. right. Juggy keeps talking and like juggling the egg. Yeah. Like a gun isn't pointed at him. Right. I'm like, Jughead, she has a gun. This health inspector has it. Why does everyone have guns? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Pretty. Will you explain what Chinatown is about? I can't remember. Oh, okay. Great. Can I talk about it then? Yeah. Um, Chinatown is a 1974 American neo-noir mystery film directed by Roman Polanski, um, <laughs> starring, starring Jack Nicholson Roman and Roman Polanski Faye, is a garbage man! And Faye Dunaway. 
The film was inspired by the California Water Wars, a series of disputes over Southern California water at the beginning of the 20th century, by which Los Angeles interests secured water rights in the Owens Valley, which obviously this whole thing about water, her being a water inspector mm-hmm. makes sense because Evelyn Mulray, which we don't know what her first name is in canon, but Mulray, her last name, is, uh, according to the screenwriter, intended to initially seem like the classic Black Widow character typical of lead female characters in film noir, yet is eventually made the only selfless character in the film. Jane Fonda was strongly considered for the role, but Polanski insisted on Dunaway. It's a fun fact. I love Jane Fonda. Hmm. Thank you for telling me about Chinatown. I feel like I know more now. Great. I only watched Mark Helgenberger's scenes. Oh, okay. Okay. So she inspects water, but she can afford a place at the Five Seasons. What's up with that? Mm. She's like, I'm not a kept woman. And I'm like, okay, but still, what? And then she says she does a job and she gets paid for it. Mm-hmm. A job, in a quotation job. marks. Which is what they called Hiram's thing. We mm-hmm. fully believed that Hiram was shot by her. Like, we fully believed it. Yeah, I did not see FB coming. No. She was brought in to inspect the water because women were having seizures. Why just women? We'll never know. Yeah, who's to say? And Jughead's like, so you were brought in by Hiram? <clears throat> and um, she doesn't deny it. Her report said that the water was clean, but her letter to the governor advising the quarantine... Quarant... I'm not correcting myself. I okay. can't say it. Quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> advising the quarantine? The quarantine? Um, it said it was dirty. So, what's up with that? Wouldn't it have been nice if we'd actually seen any of that? Yeah. That would have been cool. There's so much talk of the quarantine that I'm just like, listen, you guys had... 22 episodes no shows get 22 episodes like these days like these days it's like 13 or less you know like it's like yeah 22 is crazy you couldn't have had one episode for the quarantine but we're gonna have we had the had the entirety of the last episode that we had to watch yeah like what was the episode that we fully booted like just get rid of that one for the quarantine i don't even remember what happened today So she eventually is like, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. So she's like, I dare you to break the egg because I don't care. And I'm like, well, I care now. Yeah, <laughs> now <laughs> I, I care. So I much. didn't care, but now I care. So Jughead just kind of tosses at her, at her. And like, if I were her, I'd be like, I'm holding a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so Jughead types away. He still doesn't know how any of this is connected to Hiram getting shot. Sweet Pea calls with a bombshell though. And he's like, Bay, get up here, Bay. Bay. And so Jughead does. I know. And, and Fangs goes up and is just like, stop calling my... My bae bae. They're all bays. They're best friends with oh, their bays. Okay, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So Juggy joins him at a secret cabin where Hermione is sleeping with a very much alive Minetta. Oh my gosh. I called. It was Minetta. I saw it. Yeah, you did. Dude, it was kind of embarrassing. Like, it I saw the back of his head and I was like, is that Minetta? Yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. Especially since I could not pick Minetta out of a lineup if you, like, tried. <laughs> I immediately was like, it, that's Minetta. Yeah. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but I think it's so stupid. It's that, like, so stupid. Literally, like... I don't know why they keep doing this, but, like, last episode, like, they do this in one episode. They're like, tall boy's alive, let's use him for something, then we immediately kill him again. Yeah. Like, in one episode. Yeah. And then in this episode, like, like literally the next episode afterwards, they're like, Manetta's alive, let's use him for something, then he's dead again. Yeah, what? following mm-hmm. tracks, Chick, Chick will be alive, and then he'll die again. I'll be so, honestly, I'll be happy. Alright. <laughs> okay, so apparently... Apparently, even though they've implied that Hermione is in an abusive relationship and is a victim and has only been going along with things, she's, she's kind of, like, stuck. Um, apparently, she's actually just 
having an affair with another man and is kind of super evil and garbagey and villainy. And I don't understand what the writers are doing with Riley's character. I don't get it either because she's like, oh yes, I learned that Hiram was in an affair and I told him to stop and he did. And I'm like, did he? First of all, did he? But second of did all- Did you even have that conversation? It's hard for me to believe that Hiram is stupid enough to not see that Hermione is having an affair. Mm-hmm. I feel like Hiram has to also know. Somehow. And that might be part of the reason why she murdered. tried to have him murdered. Right, because he knows. Yeah. Gotcha. So they want to listen in on what um, Hermione and Minetta are talking about, mm-hmm. and he tells Sweet Pea to shush. And I'm like, if you can hear them, they can hear you, you <laughs> idiots. And, like, I think it's so ridiculous, because he's like, oh my god, and knows exactly what they're saying. I'm like, they're, they're, there's a they're wall right there. in between you, and and they're whispering. Yeah. So how the heck? I don't, I don't know how walls work. Anyway, Hermione needs Mineta to do a job and he'll use a sheriff's gun so they can frame FP for it. Whatever. Whatever. Like, the assassination of Hermione's character is almost complete. So FP is about to leave on a call to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Archie shot Mineta and so they're like, um, hi. Except but it hasn't n- happened yet? Except no employees. Oh. Oh. They're probably like... FP, please come to the hospital, and then, like, they can put FP and Minetta in the same place. Because, like... So they can be like, yeah, FP was on his way to the hospital. It has to have been FP who shot Hiram. Okay, but here's the T. Is FP is a leave... Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe when he says on the call to the hospital, what he means is I'm going to finish the job. Mm. Because Archie doesn't go to shoot him until the next scene after this one. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe FP's like, I gotta go to the hospital, and it's like, I actually just gotta go to the hospital to commit murder. Like, See, and I thought it was, like, somebody being like, quick, I need the sheriff at the hospital, so that, like, people would be like, obviously it wasn't Mineta because Mineta's dead, but someone that we do know who has a sheriff's gun who was at the hospital is FP. Like, he's already at the- Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Jughead arrives in time to tell him that it's a trap, which is a Star Wars joke that you don't get. Okay. Um, he tells FP that Minetta is alive and that they, and that Hermione and Mena plotted together to kill Hiram mm-hmm. because I guess Jughead figured that out on his way to the sheriff station, like, thanks to the autopsy report. They, they, like, barely fill us in on these details. That's why it took me two watches to figure out everything that happened. But also, Jughead was at the coroner's office, which I guess they just weren't going to show us until, unless it was a flashback. And Dr. Colonel Jr. was heckin' paid to fake Minetta's death. So Hermione and Minetta were trying to murder Hiram Lodge and fake Minetta's death. And it's all just this really complicated spider web that I don't want to get stuck in. Brittany, I loved this scene between Jughead and Dr. Colonel Jr. So much, just for so many different reasons. But um, when I was rewatching today, I noticed that like Jughead comes in and he's like accusing Dr. Colonel of something. He kind of like pushes him, right? Yeah. Except in his hand is a giant wad of money so he's like getting angry at dr curdle but he's also fully paying him oh yeah just f- so he would tell him that hermione's the one who and you know isn't it so strange that the like corner that you can bribe was able to be bribed by someone else yeah isn't it weird that like even though you can bribe him to be bad in the way that you want him to do he can also be bribed to be bad in the other way like flip the other way i have a do i do have another question though hmm. Um, it seems like it's just Jughead and Betty, really, but, like, where do they get the money to bribe Dr. Curdle? It feels like they're giving him a lot of money at this point, which I get because Dr. Curdle is like, yeah, I'll do whatever the frick you want. Thank well, you so Romney much. had it handed oh, Jughead yeah. a lot of money at the beginning of the episode. I guess, but if I was Jughead, I'd be like, that's mine. I don't think he gave him all of it. Oh, yeah, I mean, just Betty pays him a lot, and it made sense because she had so much money in her college fund, but now she doesn't. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh boy. Okay, this isn't even the end of the info dump of this scene. Mm-hmm. This is the middle of this scene. Mm-hmm. 
So, now that we know that Hermione and Manetta were conspiring to kill Hiram and faked Manetta's death, except that FP's the one who shot Hiram. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm not bleeping myself out there. You can do it. What the fuck? Okay. Um, can anyone keep track of what's happening at this point? Like, seems like it's your job. You're doing a pretty good job. So I'm far. trying. <laughs> so, literally in my notes, in caps lock, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hermione needs Hiram shot. So FP was like, yeah, because he was waiting to get revenge on Hiram for having the ghoulies beat up Jug. I know, and he was like, oh, I know what he did. And I was like, that wasn't Hiram, that was the ghoulies. What yeah, are you and I'm talking like, about? I guess because the ghoulies were under Hiram. So is everybody. If anybody does anything wrong, it's Hiram's fault. I don't think that's fair, honestly. I don't, like, honestly, I don't. <clears throat> anyway, so him being sheriff was his payment. Finally, that makes sense. And he thought that being sheriff would be enough protection to not get double-crossed by Hermione. But it wasn't. Alas. Because, as we know, Hermione is a lodge. So did FP know that Minetta was alive? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. But guess what, FP? Your son's friends killed a guy, and it turns out that was a positive. Yeah, it actually kind of worked out for you. Yeah. Like, Juggy's fully like, hey, um, I have good news. Mm-hmm. There's a dead guy in the bunker. Ugh, Great! Fantastic! So, FP and Alice are doing new stuff in the dark. Thank you. I was literally, this is the last note I have for the entire episode, but like, um, you can't conduct an interview in the dark. I mean, those two can do other things in the dark. You can't do new stuff in the dark. Like, she's trying to test his levels, right? So it's like, she's trying to test his audio, so it doesn't really matter, but usually... You set up your lights and test your lights first before you do audio? I don't know. There's like, my thing was, oh yeah, maybe she's just testing his audio. But there was no lighting at all. She had no, no light set up. There wasn't even a friggin' like- They didn't even uh, turn on the fluorescent ring light. Yeah. It was just like, this is why, this is why I have a theory that Alice was in on this the entire time. Mm. Because why bother with all of that if they knew it was all a charade in the first place? What do you mean? If, if if Alice and FP were never actually planning on doing an on-camera interview, FP went to Alice, told her the whole thing, and they decided to, like, try and set something up, I guess? I don't know. I just... I think that they specifically did want to do an on-camera interview because they wanted to show FP and Hermione, that FP and Hermione were both on the same page okay. and they were both saying the exact same thing to the public. I'm just trying to, to figure out public. if Alice knew about it or not, basically. Um, Jughead does say we're going to need Ms. Cooper's help. Yeah. So, who's to say? Yeah. But also, like, in this scene, um, Alice is watching Hermione as FP tells her that they caught Hiram's would-be assassin. So, like, I think that's... Thank you for sneezing in the middle of my sentence, Cobble. And then yawning. Oh my god, what an angel you are. That's <laughs> 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 my impression. He's like, Mom, I'm sick of you talking. <laughs> You know what, Kobe? Kobe, you're, me talking to you're you. in the way of the microphone. You might Thank be you. hurting your, our audio. Your fat head is blocking my mic from getting. Kobe, like, move! Please? Kobe, come here, move! Come here. come here, come to mommy. Well, <laughs> so I'm trying to see my nose over this fat cat. So yeah, so they've caught Hiram's assassin, and it's tall boy. <gasps> no way! Yeah, apparently Hiram kept him alive in this secret cabin to do his dirty work. How crazy and random. Hermione's like, hmm, I see what's going on mm, here. The subtext is almost text. <laughs> Unfortunately, FP had to kill Tallboy because Tallboy got violent once he was taken into custody. I'm the sheriff. I can do that. He had to discharge his firearm. Oopsie. Mm, that's, that's so unfortunate. Now I'll have to do some paperwork. But it was totally legal. Unlike Archie's. Mm. 
Oh, I guess they're covering up for Archie then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. That doesn't have anything to do with anyone. Well, Archie if Archie, Mineta. Archie shoots Mineta, Mineta doesn't exist. So Archie has no consequences because Mineta's dead. In everybody's eyes, Mineta's dead anyway. But now Archie has to be let in on the whole plan. Oh. He doesn't know who he shot. True. And he's stupid enough to not ask questions. Yep. Yep. Okay. Alice wants to interview Hermione next to get both perspectives because mm-hmm. she's a balanced journalist, lady. Yes, no bias here. FP says it's important that he and Hermione are on the same page. Mm-hmm. Finally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like, hi, I'm the sheriff. If I'm lying, also here's the mayor who's fully lying, so you know this is the truth. Yeah, we're both lying. Yeah. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Hermione confronts Jughead. This scene is so funny to me. Ooh. He literally, he stands there like a friggin' moron and monologues every single thing that he knows. It's he, so film noir, though. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic in that it's the perfect, like, gotcha speech. Yeah. It's just that... It's just that he's dumb, yeah, and he's a teenager, mm. so he pulled too many receipts, right? You know, um, so he says he knows about the mistress, about the fizzle rocks, about the drug lab, about everything, and he thinks that Hermione was pissed about the drug lab and wanted Hiram dead, so she hired FP to kill him because the drug lab and the fizzle rocks gave Veronica a seizure, and Hermione's like that. Would be really nice, except that I'm actually mad that Hiram had me shot at instead of giving my daughter a seizure. Mm. And I'm like, you had one chance to just be a little bit redeemable and have your motive be your child. And instead it was, Hiram had me shot at. I get it, but I think it would have been more sympathetic if it was for Ronnie. Yeah, I totally agree. I do remember how shaken up she was after that, yeah. though. So, oh, I mean, sure. that that definitely does turn. Yeah, it definitely, like, I see, I see her point. I absolutely do. But you'd think instead of correcting Jughead, she would have said, and, mm-hmm. not just sort of, oh, you're wrong. Yeah. So, whatever. Oh, I don't care about Veronica, yeah. as if. No, literally, though, that's kind of, like, how it's coming off. That's why I'm like, this is a complete assassination of Hermione's character. Hermione's like, Veronica who? Yeah, exactly. Huh? The, I don't know what's happening with Hermione, but I guess they've just decided to, like, erase her whole character. Yeah. Um, But Jughead can't tell anyone about any of the stuff that he just monologued about, because Hermione will take FP down with her, and they're at a stalemate. Honestly, which is exactly what Penelope's doing, except she's being like, if you take me down, I'm taking you down. Yep. So, I mean, I mean Jughead literally says, we're all, a, we're all in the same place. That's... That's another thing that's kind of been a little bit wrapped up then. It's yeah. like, they're really just starting over next episode, so. But now, I, I really now expected we there, for those secrets to come out. I really expected there to be a hiatus after this yeah. episode, because it really seemed like a, an episode to take a break on. Yep. Um, but take yeah. A break. Um, and then the last kind of scene and like, this whole thing is Hermione and Meta, Hermione and Manetta talk, and then she just, like, shoots him five times. That's a lot of times. It was a, it was a lot of bullets. I was like... One sound you could justify if you were, like, in the neighborhood and, like, you kind of heard something. Five in a row, you're like, hmm, those are gunshots. I don't even know what to make of this because it's, like, before it was, like, Hermione is a crooked mayor. She's, uh, you know, in on the thing. Or is she? Like, who knows? Like, like you, maybe, you know. Maybe she's trapped in an abusive marriage. Yeah. It kind of looks like she's being used. And now it's, like. They've decided to take all of the blame off of Hiram and split it with Hermione. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's not an equal load. This doesn't make sense. And it really seems like when she shoots Mineta, she doesn't really have any remorse either. So it's like calling Hiram a sociopath. Now you kind of have to wonder about Hermione Mm -hmm. now too, because she's willing to just kill people. Which is really upsetting because, man, do I miss season one Hermione. Hermione has never been like the best person, but she's never been a murderer. And she's never, like, her Her priority has always been Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, she says, nah, my priority isn't Ronnie. My priority is me. Yeah. And I 
don't get it. I get it for myself. My priority no, is also me. But, but I, I get, get it, it for Hermione. I don't get it for who Hermione has been so far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, they kind of just decided, well, we need Hermione to be sort of villainous, so we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there were other ways to do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That didn't assassinate your character in one episode, mm-hmm. but whatever. So, that's it. That's all she wrote. Now, aside for segments, my first segment is a sexual jughead, question mark, question mark, question mark, and the answer is yes, always yes, I don't care. And my segment is, which MILF was the most badass in this episode? Um, like, theoretically, like, in terms of badassness, Hermione was pretty badass. Yeah. But she wasn't good badass, she was mm-hmm. bad badass. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna give it to Alice for her intrepid investigative journalism. Okay. Um, did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? There was a scene mm-hmm. together. Alice's and- top was, like, unbuttoned more than usual. Um, there was definitely- Listen, all I can ask for is a scene together and I'm happy. Thank yep. you so much. Now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Veronica for... I don't need you to mobsplain what's best for my family. And mine goes to Jughead for... Oh my, someone must have made a grave mistake. <laughs> Save it, Junior. Cole's delivery of that just makes the whole so thing. So good, so good. Cole, I think Junior should be Cole's boy. Boy? Yeah. Junior? Yeah. That's so much better. I know. It's so much better. Like, when, uh, Attorney McCoy, Sister Woodhouse, blah, 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 blah. Junior. And he's like, please, call me Dr. Curdle Jr. And Jughead's like, mm, Junior. Because before I was saying that, like, why are you still calling her Sister Woodhouse even after you've been, like, caught by her? You know, that, that implies respect why you're calling her Sister Woodhouse um, when you could be calling her just, like, Woodhouse or whatever. And Jughead took my advice. Yeah, you did. know? It's like... Your implied respect is calling him Dr. Curdle or Dr. Curdle Jr. And you have taken that from him just to call him Junior, which is hilarious. Now, side part trailer reaction. Three, two, one, play. play. You are going to come up with the money to pay back what's owed. Okay. Pay so back? That's fair. Return to Wait, there's Kevin. Wait, the who's it? Oh. Oh my gosh. More teenagers. Oh my god, it's back. The Gargoyle King is one. What the heck? What is going on? Listen to me. Oh dear. What? Reggie was shot? What the heck? There's so much here. There's a lot. Hey, there's so much here. Okay, so what we were told about Bizarro Dale was that it was supposed to be like this alternate universe type thing, and I'm not getting that from this trailer at all. So I don't even know what to say, like at the end of the But are you sure it's supposed to be an alternate universe, or is that just something you kind of assumed? Oh, me and Sam talked about it. I don't know where Sam heard it. Maybe Sam's just wrong. Here we go. It says, Tony, Josie, and Kevin take center stage in the trailer for Riverdale Season 3, Episode 12. Here's the, here's the description. The next level. Amidst preparations for the upcoming wedding, Sierra and Tom receive an unsettling message, which forces the Midnight Club to reunite. Meanwhile, Veronica and Reggie take drastic measures to clean up a mess they created. Cheryl learns some unexpected news about the college she had set her sights on. Lastly, Kevin gives Moose an ultimate, an ultimatum. Cool. So we've got like, I mean, the only person who's like important is Veronica from the actual core four then? I guess, but like... It basically says, hey, by the way, like, this isn't an AU episode. No. See, and, and I'm kind of glad it wasn't because I remember when we were talking about that, I was like, I don't understand how they're going to make that make sense. Yeah. I don't watch Supernatural personally, and so I don't know, but I know that they've had so many episodes that, like, you know, that one episode where they were girls suddenly for some reason, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know how that's made to make sense. I don't know. Episodes like that are, like, tale as old as time. Like, Star Trek has something like that called the Mirror Universe, where, like, they basically start the episode by saying... <laughs> And you're in a different universe. Like, they're like, they literally will go, hey, this isn't the right universe. Oh. Yeah. I don't like it. So I'm glad I, I love that. I love episodes like that. Mm. I love mirror universes. Okay. So, um, Hermione is telling Ronnie and Reggie that they have to get the money 
to give the people back their stuff because they burnt it. Oh, that's what they're it's yeah. owed. Uh, Archie's in the school, I guess. Whose hands are these? I think it's sh- I, it's almost certainly to- or Cheryl's hands because they're okay. so, they're red. But that hmm. I can't tell who she's. I mean, I'm hoping it's Tony, but who's to say? F- Sheriff FP. Oh my God, Kevin's in his underwear. He and Moose must have been doing something. What else is new with those two? Um, Ronnie and Reggie are making out in the speakeasy. I'm happy. I love me some mm-hmm. Veggie Tales. Great. Oh, the. Wait, Kevin did know about the bunker because he helped Archie get down there, right? Yeah. So Kevin did know about it. Hello, this is Phallus. Yes. But also, more more people are doing, like, weird sexy times in Dilton's bunker. Oh. Dilton didn't want this. Yeah, he probably really didn't. Desecrating Dilton's freaking bunker. Where's Ethel? Where's Ethel? I hate her, but where is she? Yeah. There's there's um Pops on the table in the bunker, so... Just having a little sip-sip. I hear Pops gets people in the mood. Who's to say? Yeah. Sierra gets a note, like you had said. Obviously, Tom is also back there in the Midnight Club. So Okay, so Penelope's also there. That's Alice. Alice and Penelope. That's Penelope. That's Penelope. Yeah, but FP comes into frame. Yeah, no, I know, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that Penelope's also there. So, yeah. like, I'm loving this Midnight Club realness. That's... you so saying... Chalices. That's FP. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, Chalices... Is she, sorry, is, back. is Sierra saying we have to finish the game? Yeah. I knew that their game wasn't finished. Probably. I knew it. Okay, Gladys is back for some reason. Uh, Bughead and Bughead are sleeping together again. Where are they? In the Looks bunk. like someone found the bunker. No, wait, that's not that's not the bunker. That's Betty's room that yeah, they're making out of. but someone found the bunker. Someone else found the bunker. I think it's maybe the Gargoyle Gang, do you think? Yeah, probably. Well, they have red flashlights, so it might be something else. I don't know. Right. Um, then the actual Gargoyle King, which clearly isn't Tallboy because he's fully dead this time. Oh, Moose and Kevin are in their underwear, so this is clearly the Gargoyle Gang breaks into the bunker, we get that shot of Kevin mm. getting up from the bed, and then they kidnap Kevin and Moose and bring them to the Gargoyle King. Yeah, and it's clear because there are so many Gargoyle, yeah. ga- their gargoyle okay. Gang. Okay, so the red flashlights were the Gargoyle Gang, you're right. Okay, what does that sign say up there? Got, Got you. you. That's scary. Yep. With the... Did we ever figure out what the heck animal this is? Like, some sort of freaking antelope or something? I think it's an antelope. Okay, yeah. Um, is that Reggie and Ronnie? Yeah. <sighs> I love that for them. Every time Bughead does stuff, I'm like, ugh, ugh. whatever. But <laughs> I'm like, as long as it's not Archie, I'm so yeah, happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Josie's up on stage for some reason. Or maybe not. Maybe she's just, I don't know, lit. Oh. What is Reggie throwing here? A uh, bag of money. Okay. So they get what they're supposed to the get. The interesting thing is in the next frames. If you look behind Cheryl, mm-hmm. you've got Tony. Yes. And, and then Sheriff Dad Keller. Yeah. So. Not Cheryl. Shoney must team up with the Midnight Club <sighs> to go get Kevin and Moose. This is going to be a good ass episode. Yeah. The gar- Listen, if this episode isn't good, I'm going to be real upset. So it must be the letter that goes to Tom and Sierra mm-hmm. is that their children have been kidnapped and the Midnight Club must rally together either at the orders of the letter or to solve whatever puzzle it is. And then this is the rescue group. I have to say, to get Kevin and Moose. this sounds like a fan fiction. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, and it looks like maybe somebody else is also there with them. Somebody else with a gun right here. Maybe FP with a hat. I'm trying to... S- maybe. Yeah, maybe. Tom and Sierra are doing some stuff. Honestly, y'all get, y'all get wild. Honestly, let the adults do stuff. Yeah. I'm I mean, down. it's not like we get to see FP and Alice doing it. True. Dude, I can't remember exactly who said this, but like there was this Tumblr post once, and I think I read it out to you, where it's like, isn't Tom and Sierra's wedding going to be so beautiful, and isn't it going to be so wonderful how it's going to be completely about Betty? <laughs> you know? It's totally going to be just about Betty. Why would... Th- you know? Yeah. Who do you think this is running? Reggie. 
He's got the oh, bag in his hand. Oh, right, it's Reggie. Okay, yeah. Uh, Reggie was shot? I, I don't guess? think he was shot. I think he was maybe stabbed. If he wasn't, he could have been grazed, and and he's fine. It's yeah. like a little bit of a- and so that makes him- It's a flesh wound, he'll be fine. Okay. Cool, I'm looking forward to this. Episode. Yeah, I'm nuts about it. I'm also just nuts. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. <laughs> supposed to be like, yes, and. Oops. <laughs> yes, um, and. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey that's just always uh, perpetually open and is always in the description. If uh, you have some things that you like about the podcast, some things that you don't like about the podcast, um, we'd love to hear from you because we're always trying to get better. If you're a fan of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, we like to talk, talk about that show too on this feed. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Uh, 102 coming out very soon. Um, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We talked about season four. Season five, we will be talking about season six. Eventually going back and talking about seasons one through three as well. And if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we talked about season one and we're in the middle of season two right now. Yeah. And we have guests over there. So if you like Lost, hit us up and we'll uh, we'll write you down for something. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Great news. Episode 101 is now out. So um, if on your favorite podcast app, you search Aficionados, you should be able to find it. It exists. It does. And um, you should come to the Riverdale Con. Sweet River Con. We'll be there. Google we'll it. be there. Yep. Come say hi. Um, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. I also do a lot of work on our Tumblr, so please check us out. Thank you. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because all the money goes towards our hosting fees. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And the next episode is episode 312, Bizarro Dale. I have no idea what the heck that means, but I'm excited to find out. We shall find out. Yeah. All right. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.